Sam and Peter. I'm Sam and he's Peter. Yep. And this is our holiday special sec- uh, part two. Yep. The the second part of four. Yeah. We're going to talk about video games this time. I'm actually going to be here for this one, which is going to be a nice change. Yep. I don't uh, know. Okay. It's kind of nice just me being in charge last time. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the power. Well, I'm waiting to hear like all the... If someone can, could just put in like an angry comment, oh, what's, what's with, with the quality of this episode? Oh, uh, shush. All the others. Shush. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. Yeah. Well, to help us talk about games, we have a guest yet again. Yeah, I'm, I'm Connor. I'm their PC gamer friend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the non-casual one. Um, yeah. Because we, of course, I'd, I'd be with Sam and Peter. We're just filthy casuals. Filthy console gamers. Oh, yeah. That's right. Definitely. We're not a part of the PC Master Race. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> yeah, we met uh, we met Connor in high school. Yep. So, a while ago now. Well, yeah, not that long, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> For many, many years. Yeah. It'd be like um, six, six years, right? Six well, or seven? A lot, way longer than that. You, I, I knew yeah, you since Pete, like I've known grade since six. Year six. Sam, you didn't join until year eight. So. Yeah. Something like that. But, yeah. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, thinking about this before I came on, this has nothing to do with video games, but um, uh, I have taken two trips to my favorite place in the world to go, Hawaii. Uh, one with Peter, and then one with Connor. Ah! Yeah. yeah. Sarah Funny how that works out. Yes. Yeah. We, took it, we, we were on a high school field trip to Hawaii, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. But it was great. Good old private school. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the beer that we are drinking for this extra special episode is called Three... uh, Is called... (laughs) Shush. Is called Three Quarter Time Session Ale by the Newstead Brewing Co. I just want to point out that's not the first time Peter tried that to to pronounce that one. I mean, you can choose not to edit out by just (laughs) tongue-tied garbage, but you know... Yeah. Uh, so I guess first comments on the beer before we drink it. Name too long, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it needs to, it needs to be like four yeah. X or two E's. One of those just good, strong, quality Australian names. VB. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So I picked this one because I love Stone and Wood, my favorite beer, and this is like pseudo Stone and Wood for me. Yeah, and the the guy at the bottle shop when I bought it said it has been really popular. Like they've been having people request them to get it in so yeah. i'm looking forward to trying it well yeah i like it for its mid-strength but high fruity flavor <laughs> yeah anyway cheers Please out read the back <laughs> cheers fellas cheers, cheers, <laughs> not our best cheers but you know whatever oh that's how i remembered it i like it so you've had this before yeah what do you reckon they didn't lie about fruity it's, it's fruity, fruity. Mm. Fancy it as a genuine stayer, the dream of victory over the clock still a potential reality. What? With a bark that leaves its bite in the shade, you'll be bouncing back for more. Buy yourself a little time. Three quarter time a session. Fucking hour. book on the back. It also makes no sense. Someone was paid to write that. Yeah, we're not sponsored. I mean, all, are we? I mean, yes. <laughs> That's what marketing is, Sam. No, People but like, paid to write you stuff. can tell like a separate person claiming to be like a 
like a writer <laughs> one of their arty writer friends yeah I like it what do you reckon Connie? you're not a, a beer guy yeah, as a person who's not really a beer drinker it's actually quite nice hmm. you know for a beer I thought that I thought this might be a good one for a, for a non-beer drinker because hmm. it's a little bit weak it's weaker than stone and wood which I definitely taste I think but um, yeah I don't know it's always it's nice good I like the bottles it's not yeah. like chewing on hops so. <laughs> that's <laughs> a plus for so me so that's fine with you next time I'm going to be the same <laughs> we chewing just on ch- hops chew straight hops <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay, yeah, so, as I said before, this is our year in games, our special holiday review where we talk about all the games that we liked this year. Um, we're going to talk about just some things that happened. Some of the games crazy things that happened in games this year. Like yeah. sort of a week ago when we were talking with Connor about coming on the podcast and sort of what sort of even happened in games this year, I, I thought it's been a bit of a shit year, a bit of a quiet year <laughs> for games, but... Actually, when I sat down and went back over all the stuff that came out this year, yeah. there's been some pretty great stuff. Well, that's, and there's been a lot of really interesting things happen. The reason that you had that whole thing was, uh, I think, because the way I think about this year, it's not crap, but the second, the end half of that this year. Yeah. The second half, the back half, that was crap. Yeah, definitely. When there's the... Um, like the, the big blast, uh, if I can bloody speak again <laughs> and not struggle, the big games usually come out at the end of the year, sort of around like October to November. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing that now, you know, your Infinity Warfare, your Battlefield 1, yep. Yep. your generic once a year games. I mean, your, there's been no Assassin's like, Creed. There's been no Assassin's so Creed. So that's surprising. That's good. So that's, <laughs> no that's no good. Halo game. Um, Forza, yeah. Forza game came out, of course. Um, but, but they I mean, I've kind of, my sort of tastes have sort of moved away from all those sort of, those types of like big blockbuster shooters really and, and that sort of thing that come yeah. out at the end of the year. Well, and, if I can move to the first game, I think then. Yeah. There's been one return to form for shooters this year. I think it's really stood out from all your generic, welcome to World War Two, welcome to the war in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. Generic, let's shoot the, the you know, the next enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, Doom re-released this year um, after Doom 3, which wasn't, I don't think, particularly well received. Doom, just, ha- just has Doom. Has been in development for a long, long time. And I think it kind of came out of nowhere in terms of people's expectations for it. Yeah, so it, it first popped up, as far as I'm aware, at E3 last year. Yeah. But it has been in development for, for years and years. Like, I remember... I bought Rage when it came out in like 2010 or something. Oh, it might have been 2012. Raised it later. Yeah. But it it had on the box a sticker you can get access to the Doom beta. Oh, really? That came with Rage. (laughs) Um, Did you get access to the Doom beta? I did not, funnily (laughs) enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I didn't didn't play Doom? I've not played it either. I kind of want to. I've watched a lot of videos. Yeah. Uh, Looks interesting. Yeah. I I was very... uh, tepid to the idea of doom when i saw the e3 trailer um maybe it was its scripted nature that made it look very forced very slow paced yeah but they really brought back um and they've said it themselves is movement based shooting rather than the last almost decade now which has been hide behind the nearest foot high wall yeah and you know shoot over the top the call of duty gears of war model so and i'm on my second playthrough now um doing all the collectibles and 
that's been the most fun I've had in a shooter, I think, since Battlefield 3. Yeah. Um, ignoring my experience with Milsims like Armor, which I put in a completely different category, um, Doom really gets you into the action. You're not standing at a distance. Oh, you're yeah. not waiting for someone's head to pop around a corner so you can move <laughs> to the next area that your sergeant will tell you to take. Um, and then, is there any cinematics in Doom that take place where, like, just over and over again, you get stabbed, put <laughs> to the ground, and in an unconscious state, watch and something then, happen? And then you have to pull the knife out and throw it. It's it's like, actually, like, that sounds like the kind like, of thing that would happen in it's Doom. It's like they just grab, like, you play Call of Duty, they just grab you by the nuts. Like, it, it gets, it's like hours of just killing indiscriminately. Yep. Everyone. If they're mm. foreign, we kill them. That's what Call of Duty's about. And then all of a sudden, they'll just grab you by the nuts and, like, slap you around and feel something. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's not much feeling, not much emotion to <laughs> besides just rage. Yeah. Um, if you've not seen the opening cinematic, or, like, the opening, I guess, cutscene for Doom, it is just fantastic. It lasts all it is, 15 seconds, yeah. and you're... Like crush yeah. someone's skull with your bare hands. Yeah, that, wow. I'm not bare hands. Is bare it hands. just just, just the way it like mythologizes the dumbness yeah. of Doom is so incredible. They, they even added collectible story things to try and add some, <laughs> I guess, yeah, some backstory to kill every demon between here and there, yeah. which is a perfectly mm. fine story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not really a story. It's it's. I like that though. I mean, I, I'm remind, I'm reminded of like, um, I kind of think of many of them now but like you know those games you used to play like a classic land party with laptops i remember mm. that in like primary school and there was those with those shooters um i imagine it was because it was an older game mm. but like you sort Quake of just 3? like glided yeah. yeah around the room kind of thing and you were way quicker than you are now you know yeah. there was no sort of speed up slow down doom still isn't that speed it's not quaker on real tournament you're not bunny hopping around yeah um because that is a movement but shooter you are more mobile. You've got double jump, which we haven't seen in a shooter in ages. Um, uh, or, although yeah. that has come back in almost every shooter recently. It's in Destiny. It's in um, Titanfall. It's in Call of Duty. Like, oh, Call of Duty. The double jump has actually made a bit of a comeback in shooters. From what I understand in Call of Duty, though, it's here's your unlock for this mission. Yeah. It also copied uh, you know, Destiny you were... significantly. Oh, okay. um, if you Did you play that Call of Duty, Pete? Yeah, no. No, I, I did. It was... There was a character that did a... Uh, had two gravity spikes. I'm doing bunny ears. <laughs> no, the one that the double jump came back in was Advanced Warfare. Yeah, but and in this one they had... Black Ops, they, Black Ops 3 has got the classes. They had double jumps and some, classes, yeah. Someone who hasn't played COD since Modern Warfare 2, yeah. I'm a little out of the loop. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, it's not all that interesting to talk about. We don't need to get into it. Get really. to the only thing that I, I would note about that one is, like, Destiny uh, came out. People liked it at the time, definitely. Um, and, like... The next next Call of Duty we saw had classes that were like almost exactly the same. The thing is, though, people didn't like Destiny when it came out. Destiny got really middling reviews when it first came out. The thing about Destiny that really sold me on it, and I think was the one big praise point for the game, was the the how tight the shooting felt and the mechanics of the game. Whereas the game itself. Was very was pretty lackluster. Content was the thing, wasn't it? You, yeah, you just didn't get out of virtually no content, like no end game, just kind of boring. People expect a lot from MMOs now. Yeah, and, well, I think it, the sort of trouble with with Destiny, and we have talked about it a fair bit on this podcast. Yeah, is that 
Um, they completely rewrote wrote the story like eight months before the game got released. They completely changed a bunch of the systems eight months before the game got released. And um, it was just a very disjointed, and it still is to a large extent, a very disjointed game in terms of its mythology and the way it tells its story. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the big problems with the game that hopefully they will try and make a bit better in Destiny 2 and they have made strides towards fixing. Yeah. Um, my only question with Doom though, but I've, I've seen it played. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't played it. Is yeah. it difficult? I am playing on the default highest difficulty. There are two unlockable high difficulties, but even the default high difficulty isn't that hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that's definitely been why I haven't picked up a game like Doom in a while. Is because I didn't. It, I lose interest. It's in it. a new style, so that might give you some pause. But the game, it hold, it doesn't hold your hand necessarily, but it starts off pretty easy. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just like to take a sidebar and note that Peter is still <laughs> being all over himself. <laughs> He's managed to do do so while remaining sedentary <laughs> in his in his chair. I choose uh, to make no comment. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so it's fine. It's fine. Before you know, making any statements. I um. And when did you come out? Do you remember? Um, I picked it up later. Um, part of my interest in it might be coloured by the fact I picked it up for thirty five Australian. Yeah. Rather than the launch price, I think, which was. I mean, just going by Steam prices, well, I think 60 US, yeah. just like 75 Australian. Um, I believe it was sort of the standard 100 on. Yeah, which might be a bit much for it, but anyone like who's going to pick it up now will be able to get it for that discount. It's a pretty price. long game as well, isn't it? Like 15, 20 hours for a shooter campaign. Oh, uh, if you crap. <laughs> All right. Well, how, how long <laughs> actually is it then compared to the four hour what, what's shooter rules campaign? On, on language? Oh, Disney. free for all? Yeah, okay, go for yeah, it. Cool. Don't worry all about right. it. I'll, um, I'll explain it to my grandma later. Hi, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, my, my first playthrough, I think, ran about 10 hours, tw- 10 to 12 hours. Okay. Well, that, My that second playthrough has been really fast. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I noticed, my first playthrough, I took it really slow. I explored every nook and cranny. I got to about 10 to 12 hours. I also played maybe a mission a day. I didn't indulge, like overly indulge in Doom. I took it at yeah. a nice pace. Um but whereas I've come back now to get, find all the collectibles I haven't done. And beyond that, I find myself like just sprinting through levels, which is why I'm looking forward to finishing the game on a higher difficulty so I can push it even further to actually try and get that next level of challenge to stop me from yeah, actually cool. just yeah. sprinting the levels. <laughs> but like, but yeah, I mean, 10 to 12 hours is still pretty sizable yeah. for a first-person yeah. shooter. Like, I, I've heard the multiplayer isn't great. I haven't played it myself. I'm not really yeah. interested. Um but if I were to summarize the game, um, the gunplay for the most part is really good. Uh, you get new weapons kind of every level or two. So you're more or less always given something new to play with. Yeah. The music's really heavy. The gore's really good. The gameplay is just really punchy. And those the, weapons, they're pretty different as well. Y- yeah. Um, it's, it's got one of the things that I think that it hasn't been in shooters for a long time in that you, you have every gun. Oh, you, you just carry doing, everything. Yeah, doing, yeah. which, which is good. Is there any ADS? Uh, there is. There are two weapons which you can aim down the sight with, but otherwise there's no reloading. 
There's no that's aim down the sight. You just shoot. That's and that's beautiful. Yeah, like, that's, that's cool. That's what it is. Fuck it. We're and that's why demons. I recommend it. Yeah. It's a futuristic gun. I don't need to reload. Really. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, 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 one of the other big changes is the glory kill system. So when you get one of the demons down to low health, um, they'll start flashing. It's well, like once you play it, it's well integrated in the game. It's a way of pausing combat to stop it from being overwhelming. Mm. Um, but you target a body... And you get back health as well. Yeah, you get back health and armor and ammo and stuff like that. But if you target a body part when they're staggered and then you mutilate that body part pretty much. <laughs> like, you rip off a head, you rip off an arm and beat them with it, you pull out their heart and shove it in their mouth. It's, <laughs> it's, it's doomed because it's just... It's overly gory yeah. and that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's just... It's good paced action. So, it's yeah, kind I of thing where recommend it. you could just put on a... You could, it's a game where you listening to metal whilst playing would be entirely appropriate. Well, the game's already got it in there. Does, you know, it, does it already have it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not metal. I think it's a it's more. And I'm sure there's a music purist who will criticize me for this. Yeah. But it's grungier and heavier than that. Um, there's there's more bass, and I think than there is guitar. It's not as um, thrash like the earlier Dooms, mm-hmm. but the music fits well, like really well. That's great. So, that's really yeah. important for me in, the, in games like that, where it's, it's it's like a big element of it is like the the spectacle, like mm. the carnage. Yeah, soundtrack's important, and it's got that. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think so. Speaking of shooters, I think this leads pretty well into probably the biggest shooter from this year, which is Overwatch. Yeah, the new Blizzard IP. Yeah. I mean, I never think to- of Overwatch as really as a shooter because it's so it's like. It's one of those team-based games. Yeah. Like, it's like, would you call Team Fortress a shooter? Yeah. And maybe you would, but you wouldn't call it that alone. Yeah. I probably would have called Team Fortress a shooter um, I think the term more that... readily than I would have called Overwatch a shooter yeah. because of the abilities and the... It's it's a much more of a scissors, paper, rock class. Yeah, it, I, I, think, I think the sort of term that's been thrown around is hero shooter. So. Yeah. Okay. Everything is apt. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. blend of the shooter and mobile markets. Yeah. You played Overwatch, Pete? Yeah, I played Overwatch when it first came out for a fair amount of time. I've sort of haven't really played it all that much since. You played Sombra? Yeah. No. I don't, has it, has Sombra even been released? She's out. I didn't have a great experience with her, but it's just not my play style. I mean, I play Bastion, so everyone's going to hate me anyway. <laughs> uh, so my opinion doesn't matter on it. But you, you play offensive Bastion uh, on occasion. That's when you know you're you're really hardcore. I still champion offensive Bastion. He'll mess you up. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, but, but yeah. Like I, I think Overwatch um, for an entirely multiplayer game mm. was just very very well put together. I think it's yeah. I think it's really incredible, and I. The, my experience with Overwatch is that I um, I saw it, I liked it, and then I just never bought it. Yep. Mm. I can't remember why. I just sort of didn't. Mm. And uh, I think something else was happening. Probably Dark Souls. Yeah. Yeah. Always um, Dark Souls. Always Dark Souls for me. Which and we will talk about we in will due time. About yeah. Uh, so I, I I didn't I didn't buy it. Um, but I just watched it. I I, I stayed in contact with it. Um, for ages before I even tried to play the game and as an agent which you've still not done oh I got it on PC um, what I ran into a guy at, uh, at university who was like um, into Overwatch yeah and we had a conversation about it uh, so <laughs> and, and I, I had a conversation for like 25 minutes talking about like uh, we, we went from everything from like oh who do you play to like who do you think's good team compositions that are good 
Uh, you just lied to because you hadn't played the game. I talked about my fa- I talked about how I thought my favorite pro player was Seagull. I thought his Genji was really great. And then at the very end of it, he's like, "Oh man, so you know we should play together." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." So I ran home and bought the game because I I just couldn't. I'd been caught. <laughs> Oh Sam. Uh, yeah, but that's exact. I mean, I think that's a really good testament to to how good Overwatch is. That like, I for me, the big thing when I pick a game is the competitive side. Like, I didn't hit any. I didn't feel any of the content drought in Destiny. I never do because I play it exclusively for the PvP almost. Um, and you said it's tight. You know, mechanics are good. That's why it's yeah. just fine for me. Yeah, I play it. I, I play it for mostly for the PvP, and then maybe Dark Souls for the challenge but also pvp along dark souls so anything where i can just see someone be really good at something like someone who's worked and is really good at something um I except for mobas i love it except for mobas because i'm just terrible at them <laughs> but i love watching them and so i loved watching this because i couldn't watch league of legends and understand it at all because just... this is very easy to understand yeah yeah and then it was just a little gateway for me into this like world of these like yeah, what did we call them? Hero, hero shooters, mm-hmm. or just like these these games where there's so much going on in turn, in like that I just don't see. And there's such a higher like it's very it's a very very easy game to just get in and start playing. Yeah, you can just swap through all the characters; they're all mm-hmm. um, free with the purchase of the game. Um, they have very few abilities, so you can very quickly just say, okay, this button does this. I've got like yeah. These three attacks that I can do, and and that's cool. That's what that's what I do. So but then once you get even yeah. further into the game, there's so much. There's like that much higher level of meta. I guess it sounds bad. But I like a game where I can be like, if you work at it, you can be you can beat some, another person mm. every time. Yeah, now that's like my benchmark for a good game. Finding that perfect bastion spot. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like and to have those like pro players that you know. They're just really good at that particular character. Mm. I, w- I loved watching um, everything to do with tournaments with Overwatch. I got pretty into it. Mm. And I just never played the game, but yeah. I it didn't matter for me. I was like, I just loved loved getting into that finally. I tried to do that with Smite, which is a like a lane-based fighting yeah, game that came out a while ago. It was an M- like a MMO, third-person yeah. MMO. That was my first foray into that. Um, and it was, it's definitely more accessible than the other types of those, ga- like, uh, games like that. But, I don't know. Casual. It, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough. Like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't casual enough for me to, to, like, really, like, bother getting into it. I tried to play it for a while, got, like, just hazed by other people on my team and just, just get up. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go play a game where it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I think what drew me in Overwatch, like quite weirdly, was the aesthetics. Like, yeah, just how beautiful and clean the game is. I love their level of I love their like character videos that they've mm. done. Oh, that was a the... whole other phenomenon, almost entirely separate from the game. Was yeah. these cinematic shorts that would come out? Yeah, they're like Pixar esque. And Blizzard oh, does yeah. Blizzard does fantastic cinematics anyway. It's but a shame I... they didn't do the movie. <laughs> I reckon I would have, I would have fucking watched that movie, wouldn't you? I, yeah, was it doing a World of Warcraft movie? If they'd actually made it themselves, oh yeah, their own right. yeah. it would have taken them like hundreds of thousands. Just of just ruinously expensive, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I loved watching the shorts as well, and it 
it was almost just a completely separate thing from the games. You know, it makes all... me really wonder what the MMO version of this game would have been. Yeah. Because it was originally was intent, in, it was yeah. originally intended as like a like the new WoW Project Titan or something like that. Yeah. called it. Yeah, yeah that's and right. it, and that they, was new they, from like, like 2008 though. Yeah, that was yeah, and they they scrapped ages. and you they can buy scrapped down again the beta for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they scrapped Titan and made it into Overwatch. Yeah, um, I think they made the right choice actually, because um, this 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 they, was so I think I think they probably did, mm-hmm. and they managed to, they have managed to do what Blizzard does so well in taking that sort of um, taking a lot of ideas from other places. And just packaging it into something that is aesthetically mm-hmm. just so well done mm-hmm. and just mechanically really strong. And now they cover that pillar. They've got them all covered now in yeah. terms of like those big staples of MMO, games. card yeah. game, shooter, MOBA, yeah. RCS, whatever you call Diablo, ARPG, I think. Yeah. yeah. Now you can just go into your, in, into like the... The Battle.net launcher, Battle which is launcher. now becoming the Blizzard launcher for some reason. And never leave. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it, they've even got like built-in voice chat to there now. <laughs> that's yeah. the plan. <laughs> Twitter integration. Yeah, <laughs> that's always key. Yeah, it's your one-stop Facebook shop. Integration. Yeah, um, they're really turning into a one-stop shop. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, no, I loved Overwatch. I, I feel like there's not a lot to talk about Overwatch um, because there's not a lot of negative stuff that I have. Mm. You know, yeah, like, it, it's just and it's just really it's, yeah. It's, it's just same, fun. It's the same stuff we run into all the time. People are talking, people are always like, when I talk to someone about the podcast who's actually listened to it, mm. which, you know, there's, there's very, very few, they always say, why are you so critical about movies mm. uh, or whatever, games? And I think that's because we we talk about a lot of ga- movies that we love on the, on the podcast. Yeah. We talk, but when you really like a movie, when there's nothing bad you can say about it, it's just like, oh, it's really good. It's really good. And when Peter and I try and talk about a game that we really like for a while, it just, mm. we just end up repeating... <laughs> Oh yeah, it's really it's good. Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think Overwatch is really good. <laughs> Should we foray into the other Blizzard title then? Yes, yeah, for I it. think that, that's when. <clears throat> oh man, we are just connecting yeah. the segues left, right, and center. It's pretty great. So the the my first real <laughs> sort of um, foray into WoW came this year with the release of WoW Legion, yeah. which Connor. Like Chris, you are a long-time World of Warcraft player. He's our, he's our ringer. Long, That's why we're here. That's a long-suffering World of Warcraft <laughs> player. Um, what's your thoughts on the expansion so far? Yeah, well, go for it. Look, compared to Warlords of Draenor, I think it's a really big re- return to form. Um, I've certainly got my criticisms of the game. They've doubled down on some of the worst parts of the game, but they've also backtracked and um, really put a lot more effort into creating a world you actually want to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me wonder how much of the dev time on Warlords of Draenor was spent, uh, was spent making actually this. making region <laughs> <laughs> and where the ward was literally just, oh God, we would have filled two years of production time. What do we do? Um, yep. right, uh, literally recreate Outland again. Time travel. Um, here's a boss we haven't killed yet. Uh, it won't matter because he's from a different timeline. <laughs> uh, uh, Manoroth, we killed him before. Let's, uh, let's throw him in, in again. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. They made a whole bunch of promises surrounding uh, Ward that just never eventuated. There were no capital cities, like proper ones, um, even though they intended it, but they've kind of turned all that around with Legion. Yeah. Um, they've made a much better game. It's still grindy as hell. They doubled down on um, RNG elements, which are 
kind of much the disappointment of a lot of people especially the more hardcore people um but so when, what do you mean by rng so the, one of the big new additions is uh legendary gear mm. um sim- kind of similar to the diablo 3 legendary gear that has like ability changing effects okay so um it is like class defining and build defining gear and it is incredibly incredibly rare drops okay i thought that was a that's been a thing in WoW for a while. Uh, no, Legendaries prior, whilst a lot of them had parts that were a random drop, mm. you knew that, okay, if I worked at this dungeon for the next 12 weeks, by the end of it, there's a pretty much it's pretty much certain that I will have this Legendary. It was, it was a task to work towards. And that's, what, that's what's been lost in the last WoW expansions, is that you no longer work towards a target by collecting parts you now spend that same amount of time you just don't know when in that period it's actually going to appear like uh yeah. for example chris um got four legendaries within i think about the first three weeks whilst some members of our group still had none up until a week ago and that's now three months after launch i think yeah so you know and in my situation there's i think eight uh, legendaries that a paladin, can, a holy paladin, can get, which is your class, which is my class. Um, and uh, the first one I got was the worst I could possibly get. It, it provided no tangible benefits. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and it's that kind of RNG that uh, I think really detracts from the game. Blizzard frames it in the way that mm. uh, you know it's great to be surprised by getting something you really want. I guess theoretically, without actually working for it. <laughs> Um, but it also means it's more disappointing when you spend a lot of effort jumping through the hoops required to get the best odds at getting something and then not getting anything of value. So, yeah. so the thing that confused me when we had Chris on here and we were talking about WoW was that um, the way he described loot drops, I actually, having played no real WoW, mm. um, I never hit max level or anything, uh, I just assumed the loot drops were like they were in de- they are in Destiny, where not in terms of the frequency, but in terms of when we, when when you go into an encounter in Destiny with a group, mm. um, the loot that drops, even the little stuff, yeah, but the boss stuff as well, is just sort of an instance to you kind of thing. So you only see that loot drop. It depends on. So it didn't used to be. It, it, there is personal loot in WoW now. There is. And there's also options for setting it so that just... Like, there's like... Set it as like master looter and stuff yeah. like that. Like there are different options you can have for loot in raids. Yeah. So um, a generic 20-man boss will normally drop four pieces of loot. Yeah. Which a loot master or a rolling system can assign. Or the group can set it to personal loot which usually I think ends up with six or seven people getting loot, mm. but it can't be allocated properly. So is this legendary gear like an added chance of getting something? Like will you get other? So yeah, no, it's, just, it's just another thing that can drop. Yeah, they're entirely right. separate. Okay. So they, okay. they can happen through not only killing bosses, but there's also a bunch of other things that can right. proc them. Um, and there you are fail saves. For- you know, the, every time you don't get one from a, a potential legendary source, it becomes more likely, no, okay. but we're not looking at substantially more likely. We're not, you know, you're not rapidly approaching one, you know. Even if you did it for 12 weeks. 
Yeah, you, you, you could one. you could go for twelve weeks and get nothing. At that point, it's getting quite unlikely. Yeah. Um, purely because you may be doing four or five things a day that give you a chance of getting one. But, but yes, it's still possible. Yeah, and that sort of having had a bit of time initially, I wasn't all. I mean, I'm far more casual than you are, and I wasn't all that bothered by the legendary system. But sort of now, I'm kind of at the point where my character can't really progress more without um, without raiding, which is something I'm not really all that interesting. And I would like to get legendaries because they let you do such cool things. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the cool things about legendaries is that you're limited to you can only equip two at a time. Like exotics. Um, mm. Yeah, they're like exotics. So um, actually, yeah. they they are very very like exotics. And some of them completely change playstyles. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. And I think in Destiny we have these like the art pieces for exotics where you can only equip one in each. Like you only equip one piece of armor that's exotic, one weapon that's exotic, and they the armor pieces can drastically change what you do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think okay. I think it's probably a mistake to gate this interesting way to change how the game is played behind such a high, just the frequency of you even get like getting four legendaries that you could potentially choose between mm-hmm. for different situations. Like that is actually really interesting, but the fact that that's just not chances yeah. are that's not even remotely going to be close to happening like, I don't, is I don't a real know, shame i don't know how they balance it but if you got a token instead that you could take to someone and choose the legendary, and choose yeah, but the problem great. is they aren't balanced against each other and yeah and the thing that's happened that the the least lucky thing that could possibly happen is you could get the same legendary twice really that happened to someone in our <sighs> in the first couple of weeks and blizzard's response to that was pretty much um it's really unlikely that this will happen but tough shit it wasn't, and, and oh, we'll about- refund this and, you know, up your chance or we'll give you an item of your choice. It was, all right, well, you now have two of the same item and your chances and, of getting a third are and now the thing is, greatly it's, it's the <laughs> exact same item. The stats on each of the legendaries yeah. are they're set, they're the so it's exactly uh, the yeah. same. It's like exotics when they, like, back in Vanilla Destiny. Back yeah. Before you could do that. Before there was a bit of RNG. I mean, um, if you're talking about like having everyone having access to it, but that's the thing that we talk about that, that I've said I, I would have liked to come in from like from where to destiny is the mm-hmm. idea that um, some stuff isn't accessible with by everyone. Uh, it's a different thing here. It's I the, think it's the, it's not for lack of work that it's inaccessible. It's, it's just, just by chance, and uh, and especially like from my perspective as a relatively a moderately hardcore raider at least. You know, someone who does pretty well, I could be doing much better if my random chance of getting a legendary had given me a better item. Yeah. You know, I could be doing, uh, like, my percentile could be five or ten points higher merely if I'd gotten this better item. Yeah. And I had no choice over that. There's no way I could work towards that item. Is so, it- like, people in the world will do better than me, not for skill or practice, but merely because they were luckier. Is it possible to get a legendary item without being in a big group? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. So you can get legendary thing. items from uh, your daily world quest yeah. cash, from LFR, so that raids, that from dungeons. Right. Like to me. If that's the best, that's the thing you're most looking for in, in this expansion, uh, is it? Like that's the gear that you really... That's one of the biggest parts, yeah. Like uh, for some classes, you're looking at increasing your damage 10-15%. And a guy doing it daily can get it. 
And yeah, and you and, might not get it. If and you're some doing dude who just hit max level, who plays an hour a week, could get it. And yeah. you could play. You could play forty hours a week. You could be like sponsored as part of one of the top guilds to play the game. And you could just never get it. You could never get one. That like, just seems ridiculous. It just yeah. doesn't seem. I, I think yeah, they, they have in a recent patch they have buffed the drop chance. And, like, the day after the patch is when I got my first Legendary, <laughs> which happened to be, like, one of the not all that great ones. Better than your f- one that Better you got. Better than my first one. But... but still not all that amazing. Yeah. And it wasn't one of the... It was just, like, basically just a flat DPS increase rather than one of the cool ones that changes some of my abilities. Couldn't they have just had a, a different percentage attached to different activities? Raid. I think oh, it's like a big. There, there are there oh, are right, differences. Okay. The, but the the point it's is that the chance is like mm-hmm. is like less than point one percent kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, it is just so low that I'm sure they probably do scale it a little bit, but it's so low anyway that you don't you wouldn't notice. Yeah. But to like z- to, to zoom out a bit to just to have like a final yeah, thing yeah. on wow mm-hmm. on on the wow just general itself. expansion. Apart from that, or in general, what. It, if, if RNG elements are removed or minimized back to, you know, I might have to wait three weeks for this item to drop off a boss, that's fine. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's normal luck that we're all used to. But um, if that was removed, then I think on the whole, the expansion's been a big improvement. Uh, I look forward to the next raid content actually coming out. I'm a bit tired mm-hmm. of what's there currently. But from my perspective, at least, my class is in a good place, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big improvement. We hear you're yeah. quite handy with your class as well. Yeah, and I've I've been really enjoying it. Um, I think it's a from having had that level one to a hundred experience, and then now having played Legion as like the current content, I really I I have really enjoyed it. And you found it pretty accessible. Yes, which is to me is the big thing. The big thing about WoW <laughs> in the past, I think, is that it's very inaccessible mm. in terms of Mm. like stuff like you're just grinding over and over again to get this one drop to level up which you are kind of but there's a lot more options to do lots of different things if you're Mm. doing that that means that you've already had your accessible period that was leveling (laughs) you know like that that was Mm. that was that time where they're they're focusing on people getting into it yeah and I think the accessible period for WoW Legion is a lot greater and there's lots of like that the lfr system means you can experience some of that raid content just in matchmaking which i think is just though i fantastic considering how easy normal is i don't know how lfr is even a tier yeah but (laughs) yeah you say that but like for someone like me who doesn't want to bother going on like a lfr site or using the wow group finder and just wants to just Come home from work and and just LFR and for twenty and yeah. kill a boss for twenty minutes. I think that's really good. It, it for does help people move from max level into some kind of end tier content. Yeah. yeah. Only downside is I think personally LFR reinforces like bad raid behavior, like bad like bad. Uh, the, the, the reinforces poor raid mechanic awareness and stuff like that because none of it matters the thing is though that How? sort of stuff that stuff like raid mechanic awareness is takes so long to build up that innate knowledge of how it works mm-hmm. i'm i've been playing the game for a few months and i still don't have very good awareness of that sort and of thing it probably is hard for me to judge because i have like i've been raiding since 2008 yeah 
Like, yeah. that's a long time. And that's and not when you started playing the game. That's, that's I, I started in 2007. Yeah. The very, very start of 2007, just before yeah. BC. Uh, anyway, that's Legion. Yep, that's yeah. about Legion. Um, I'd like to talk about... Oh, actually, Sam, did you have a game you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, so I won't, I won't bring up the big one, which is Dark Souls 3. Come on, you knew this was happening, people. If <laughs> you're listening to the podcast, so we're not bringing up Dark Souls. Not yet. No, we're definitely bringing it up, but I'll start with something a bit lighter then. Oh, okay, since you guys have talked about stuff that we all haven't played. Yeah. Mm. Right, so we're going to pick up the pace a bit. Yeah. yeah. You got something to talk about, Sam? We're uh, going to try. We've about... just realised that we were recording for a lot longer than I anticipated, <laughs> um, and we're yeah. going to try and burn through some things now. So, so what's the game you're going to? I really about? wanted to talk about um, Rusty Lake Hotel. Yep. And Rusty Lake Roots. Both came out this year. Yep. Um, and they're, uh, I, I love playing these games. I think I mentioned them on the podcast a little bit. Um, by now I probably should have mentioned Rusty Lake Roots as well, but, uh, both, um, we haven't, I don't think we've recorded an episode since you played yeah. it. Is that both, a sequel too? Or? Well, Rusty Lake, Rusty Lake Roots is actually my pick on my list of game of the year. Um, I, I really enjoyed Rusty Lake Hotel as well, but I think Roots is much better. Uh, the big difference between Roots and Rusty Lake is that Rusty Lake uh, has all its characters are anthropomorphic. Uh, anthropomorphic Rusty Lake Hotel. Anthropomorphic animals in Rusty Lake are. Rusty Lake, which one? They're both Rusty Lakes. And Rusty Lake Hotel is. Um, <laughs> they're all anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. Right? They're all like uh, Bojack Horseman style dudes. Yeah. And in Rusty Lake Roots, they're people. Which, which immediately I thought, like, oh, this isn't going to be as weird. Uh, <laughs> like quickly and boy were you Rusty wrong the Rusty games uh, they are incredibly I just I love I love puzzles mm. and I and I love weirdness you know like I'm a huge fan of weirdness and like and just and macabre like macabre kind of things well if there's anything like Rusty Lake Hotel it's yeah, it's, it's, it's all of three dark. of those you know it's really dark it's really weird and there's some serious, like, there's some really great puzzles in there. There's some really great maths puzzles, like, mm. all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, so I played Rusty Lake Hotel first. I've talked about it in the podcast. You basically play the caretaker of this hotel that sits in the middle of Rusty Lake, named so because at night the water turns red. Uh, and a few guests have just arrived. You, the guests come to the hotel. They're all obviously animal people, like Mrs. Uh, whatever. Like, all I can think of right There's now is Mr. Deer, like but yeah, it's Mr. Some type, Mrs. Some type of bird. Um, and you solve puzzles to eventually murder each guest, cook them up uh, with recipe with recipe items that you also get from solving puzzles, and feed them to the rest of the guests, and then your meals get judged. <laughs> Uh, that's it's like, the game. It's like Master Chef for cannibalism. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, uh, Rusty like Roots uh, continue like continues with the the whole. It, it's the same exact sort of theme. Um, it'll feel very familiar if you've played Rusty Lake Hotel, but uh, it involves just regular people, and it's like the history of the hotel. So uh, you first the first guy comes there, he finds his wife, marries her, and this tree begins to form, and that's like the root. And then it branches off and you follow the family tree um, and seeing where it leads. And basically, you know, uh, spoilers, there's a lot of murder and weird stuff. And it's really quite dark. There actually is a really big twist to at the end of Rusty Lake Roots as to what you're doing and what character you are playing. Um, 
So I won't spoil that, but that's essentially how it works. Uh, and you're furthering along this tree. Um, uh, yeah, I got it and I was like, oh, there are people. And I played the first level and it was pretty normal. Like I solved some great puzzles, but it was like pretty normal getting married. Uh, the weirdest thing was that you had to write this love letter to the woman to start off with. And the only weird thing was that she cut herself on a thorn and you used her blood to write the love letter, right? That's a bit odd. Well, not for this. <laughs> it's not Rusty Lake odd. Second, second level though, there's a dead man uh, lying on his side that you find inside a clock. And to acquire his heart, which you need, you have to sort of, you just zoom in on the dead man's nipple, pops right off, <laughs> go in through his nipple, travel to his heart, grab the heart, come back out through his mouth. And I was like, there we go. <laughs> there's, there's Rusty Lake. There's Rusty Lake. <laughs> um, there's not much to say about these games if you haven't, if, like, and we, we, we haven't all played them. Connor, did you I play played Hotel. Hotel. Did you I like mean, it? it? Oh, I loved it. It was, it was great. It, yeah. It's I, cheap. I think it's free if you play the Flash game online. So that's right, yeah. But it's it's worth buying. I yeah, mean... Support them. Support them. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I would, I would like, recommend both. For the esoteric murder horror games. Yes. <laughs> they're brilliant games, guys. And they're, like, really cheap on Steam. Just fantastic. And they'll make you think. So, if... Like, a lot of the games that we talk about... We're talking about like best games, like games of the year. Will some some of my favorite games of this year have been just like games where you don't have to think all that much yeah. and just grind. This you definitely have to think. Notepad is out uh, for me, and um, I think that yeah, a lot of these games on this list, a lot of people would have played and a lot of people would have bought. So if I can do anything out of this episode, it's to encourage someone out there to buy Rusty Lake Hotel or buy Rusty Lake Roots and, and play it. Yeah. If we want to talk about something just like kind of a game that's a bit more thinking, and it doesn't have to be, but the best way of playing uh, the latest Hitman game that's come out this year, it's yeah, fully yeah, released. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, the game's always allowed you to run and gun like an idiot, and sometimes <laughs> you need that. Sometimes you need that de-stress. Yeah. But it was a real return to form after Absolution, which was not a great game, really not not a great Hitman. I game I really liked Absolution. Really? I liked it for the story that it told. If it was Sam Fisher, I would have been a little bit happier because you spent your entire time crouching behind corners. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I it was yeah, it was very much a linear sort of hitman game, hmm. which is kind of where a lot of games at that time were going. Um, and and it wasn't the hitman just sort of you're plonked in this level, you've got to work out what to do. It was very much there were a lot of shorter levels that it was hmm. sort of very much moving you from one place to another. Yeah. Whereas this seems to be very much in the vein of Hitman Blood Money. Yeah, which... Uh, and Blood Money I'd still recommend above possibly all other stealth games. Uh, my, my big two are Blood Money and uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. I think the two probably best stealth games um, because I haven't really played the Thief series. Um, but the latest Hitman, uh, they did a lot of work in giving those options back. Yeah, and it's a very just before we sort of go into it, it, like I think we should maybe explain a bit what how this game is a bit different. So they've called it Hitman, and they've tried a different thing rather than just releasing a game all at once. They've tried the episodic model. That I think that was mainly for financial concerns. Yeah, yeah, but, but because of that, I think the game has received a lot of just the sort of structure of the game has changed a lot from what you might be used to from a Hitman game. I think it actually allowed it to return back to what it was, where Hitman isn't about uh, following from one place to the other in a concise narrative structure. It's about 
there's an overarching theme, but at the same time, you are just doing a job. Yeah. Um, and the Legacy Man's really done that well, and I think the episode nature almost helped it in some regard, because it I was forced to spend more time on any one level than I think I otherwise would. Yeah, exactly. And I noticed the faster the episodes came out towards the end of the release, the less I actually played them. Whereas Paris and Sapienza, the two first levels, I would have spent a good 25-30 hours on each of them, not only playing the story and seeing every possible angle, but also playing the new mini-game mode they've got called Escalations, which uh, assigns uh, some preset targets in the level different from the normal ones, and every level 1 to 5 uh, adds a new condition. So it might be, you know, bodies can't be found, they might add a new target, it might have to be done wearing a certain disguise, using a certain weapon. Um, but And whilst I think if they just released a full game with, I think, seven episodes or seven missions and, say, 30 escalations, I don't think I would have touched them. Yeah. Because it was just, oh, okay, here's some stupid side challenges. But they actually allowed me to explore the levels a lot further because I was stuck on one level going, okay, what what other ways can I experience the Paris mission? Okay, I can do it by, okay, this time I have to kill three cooks. You know, this time I have to uh, loot a safe and get out without being discovered, that kind of thing. Yeah, which I think is, I think nobody could have really predicted that that would work so well for this game. Yeah, and I, I think the reviews for the game have actually been, every episode's been, for the most part, really well received. Yeah. The criticism is the kind of the package deal and the fact that it's always online. Did you do any of the elusive targets? Uh, yes, I didn't really do them properly though. Okay. I must confess that it was kind of spawn the mission, grab my pistol, shoot him around a corner, and just bail at the exit. Yeah, because the problem that, that was that was another new thing that they added is they added this elusive targets mode, which was they would have a time limited like mission basically in this in one of these mission areas mm. that you could only attempt once. Right. My big criticism of that, though, and the reason I ended up just doing it really half-assed is because I wanted to do it in the safest way because you got a reward for succeeding in a number of them. Yeah. And I really hated that because it meant that you couldn't, like, you didn't want to take a risk. Yeah. For me, like, the fastest thing was spawn as close as I could to him, shoot him, change costume as quick as I can and walk out because that way I was guaranteed the reward I'd get from the elusive target. It didn't lead me to try and go, oh, can I get in with a chandelier doing this? But what if I get caught? It's just, it's not worth the time. Mm. And I really hope that at the end of this, uh, in a couple of months when everything's kind of wrapped up, is they say, okay, here's all the elusive targets you can now play them in any order, order you like. Yeah. You know, and just that's, come that's back to That's pretty cool. Them. I think they did one, which was Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah. But they use them to poke fun and to have new mini opportunities in the missions. And yeah. It's good. Yeah. I haven't played this Hitman game. I played Blood Money and Absolution, which mm. I enjoyed both of them a lot. Yeah. I I really enjoyed Absolution, probably because I kind of like the sort of linearness yeah. in games in certain parts. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see how my experience differs from yours um, playing all the missions. I'm probably going to get the game and play all the missions at once. Yeah. Rather than well, yeah, I, the I way that say, you've done it. Don't be afraid of pacing yourself. I think if, if I've learned anything mm-hmm. in maybe the last six to nine months of games, is that don't be afraid to play a little bit, put it down and come back to it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to rush through every game. Yeah. Um, and you usually get more out of it. Yeah, especially if you have two or three on... If you have two or three games that you have at the same time, you can mm-hmm. go on, 
do different times. If you if I'm like really awake, yeah, I'll play Destiny. If I'm really not, then I won't because I'm just going to do bad. I'll play something else. Mm. I think that's like the way to do it. I think one of the games that I've come back to, uh, I've left for weeks and come back to and just love coming back to it every time. Uh, I'll talk about briefly is uh, Far Cry Primal, which did come out this year. Yeah. You know, I really like the Far Cry games. Like for me, they're, they're great as a person who just desperately wants to every now and then just disappear and become a maniac in the woods. Um, it's really great for me to get that <laughs> out of my system. And I've always loved the animal aspect of those games and mm. wish that I could have more with that. And I think I, it, when we were talking about Far Cry 4 mm. ages ago, I was like, I, I was telling Peter all these different changes that I would make to the Far Cry, like Far Cry 4 to make it better. Yeah. And we're like, man, I wish you can get like, the thing that I've really been pissed off about is an animal companion. If I wish you could have some tame wolves. Animal companion. <laughs> and like a taming system. Or like, you know, a big animal, you could ride it. And I, I started talking about these things and I was like, or like a slow combat mechanic. Like, you know what? Almost like, like with guns, I think guns ruin it. You need like, yeah. and I just started listing all these things and then Far Cry Primal came out. Yeah. I remember for the, when the trailer for Far Cry Primal got announced, I just immediately sent it to you and said, Sam, this so is your good. game. Evidently Ubisoft listens to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I gave from this. It's, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was exactly what I wanted. There were no guns. <coughs> Just bows and slings. Because they hadn't existed. Bows, slings. Uh, I love the spear. That's the new one because it's you can only have three of them and it's this extra thing of accuracy. You know, Any game where you can throw spears, I'm happy. Just yeah, it's yeah, a really it, good mechanic. Any it's game great. where you can ride saber-toothed tigers. I think. Damn right, man. <laughs> and, you, and like, I, I just love going through... I'm going through every bit of that. That game really slowly. Yeah. You know, how, just how far? Like because you because you haven't finished it yet. Have oh you? no! Because I'm doing everything beforehand. I just get on every like week or two for a couple of hours, and just I'm doing I'm clearing out the posts just from a moving north on the map perspective. I'll do everything on that uh, that level, and then I'll move a little bit more more north and do everything. And I'm just yeah. really I'm really really loving it. Yeah. It also means that animals are regionalized, so. I'm I'm yet to come into contact with some of them, which is mm. great. You know, I'll be able to tame some more of them. Um, I've already tamed all the legendary animals. It's great. I love it. I really, really love it. So if you if you want to become wild man, <laughs> uh, Far Cry Primal is awesome. And the good thing about this year being really front loaded mm. is that uh, everything that we talk about on the podcast is probably way cheaper than the way yeah. we bought it. So yeah, it's true. a good time to buy it now. Yeah. Um, um, well, well, speaking of bears in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just continue the segway train that was um, complete shit <laughs> um a game which neither of you have played but i really really enjoyed that came out around the middle of the year so i mm. think it probably will be on sale at various points yeah i um, was a game called firewatch which is a which is a like first person uh very story driven um sort of kind of point and click adventure-esque but Almost, more just yeah. like story driven adventure game. Walking type. simulator. Yeah, walking it. simulator. Um, uh, it, it follows the story of this guy whose wife um, gets sick and he is sort of dealing with the grief of that and and sort of like dealing dealing with that sort of stuff going on in his life and he goes out to the middle of the Yellowstone national park and becomes um what's called a fire watchman which is they have a bunch of rangers mm-hmm. who live out in these huts 
high above the ground and they basically just sort of patrol the national park um sit watch for but it was like it's set in like the 70s mm-hmm. before the big bushfires in i think it, i think it was the 70s but there was a couple of decades ago there was these big bushfires in um the national park mm-hmm. and uh it, it follows this guy who's going out being one of these fire watchmen okay and it um it's a very well done story mm. in in a game, and it deals with issues like grief, kind of like you 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 see no other people really. Um, you sort of where the story comes. You sort of learn a bit of the story is your main contact, which is the I don't know head warden or whatever who's yeah. contacting you over the radio. I was kind of t- told, I suppose, sort of by audio logs kind of mm-hmm. um and uh by the environmental storytelling mm-hmm. um so there's a bunch of all these different story threads which you can discover and all these mysteries to discover across the course of the story and it just does it really really well it looks absolutely stunning yeah which um, it needs to i mean those yeah. kind of games they they need to look good because that's what you're doing yeah yeah, and and it's just very well voice acted and i would highly recommend it to anybody that's looking for um, a sort of really good contemplative story. Mm. Um, a very, very, very human story. It's not, it's not destiny where you're, um, <laughs> going and fighting big space monsters and it's not yeah. Hitman where you're, um, performing assassinations. It's just a guy who's going through very, very, hu- a very, very human struggle, mm. um, that you experience as a video game, which is the kind of experience that, Five, ten years ago, you didn't really get all that much of, but I think kind of thankfully over the last few years, we've seen a lot more of thing, a lot more things like this. There's yeah. no room for people to make those kinds of games. Yeah. 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 I think that's really, it's a really good sign that people are allowed to make those games now. Mm. Um, they're almost exist in their own little world, those kind of games. You know, they're so far from almost, you know, every other game. What people normally we consider. They're game. so far yeah. what people from what people think of when they think of video games. <laughs> it's yeah. an experience. It is an experience. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it it's not. A, it's not that long. Maybe like six hours. I think. Yeah, I've heard all told like two normally. Oh, those kind of games. Okay, we well, might be closer to six to four to six. Four hours. to six. Yeah, if but it's it's if you pace yourself well. Yeah, if you pace yourself well and export, you can get a pet turtle, <laughs> which you can name. <laughs> God, <laughs> sort of a very I, good I, ranger that's just picking up local animals. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> well, no, you, you're saving him from bushfires. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how what he tells himself. Yeah. Yeah. I played a few of those the games, and even though I sort of I was, I never really think of buying them, I've all, I've never hated one that I've played. I've always sort of enjoyed it. I I haven't played anything like that. I've played um, oh, I I guess you would consider Alan Wake. What kind of? No, it's very very games. different from Alan Wake. But it's it's definitely still one of those like experience. Based like, yeah, it has those segments though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've played uh, games that are closer to that. I played The Park, which is a really great um, game in which it's just an experience. I I reckon you'd probably enjoy it, Connor. But it's 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 I, I like those those games more when it's a uh, there's if you if you have an unreliable. Uh, narrator is the main character, like an unreliable main character. Mm. Those are really yeah, fun. Yeah, um, like you, so you, the park is a hallucinogenic, like based one, right? Where you're never sure what's real. Mm. Your character is really insane, 
Um, it's a hor- it's a horror one. You might not want to play it, Pete, but it's it's yeah. I I really enjoy walking. Well, this one has very similar hooks to that. Like you're not you're not playing some like crazy Nathan Drake esque like <laughs> jump and swing around him on oh, the trees. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're like an overweight middle aged dude <laughs> with a beer gut and um big stocky arms who's who like can't yeah. run because you're super unfit. There's yeah. A lot of those same sort of... It's not sort of the hallucinogenic psychological horror aspect, but yeah. there is a lot of, like, mysteries where you don't know yeah. what's going on and you're sort of gradually piecing them together over... Um, anyway, well, speaking of bad theme parks, did you guys want to talk about the Fallout 4 DLC? Yeah, it was not and, on... And you just know what, you know what? that it was kind of disappointing It was not year. on my list. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I have to agree here. It, yeah. Uh, left me... Completely, I don't want to even say left me wanting, left me completely disinterested. So there was a big problem with this DLC for me. Like, uh, I was all for it simply because there was a Western revolver hidden somewhere in the DLC. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll buy it. Um, but uh, the big problem for me with that was there was a level cap. Like, and we talked about this. The level cap on that DLC, the last one, mm. the um, Nuku Nuku World, too damn high. Like, 85 or something like yeah, that, wasn't it? Yeah. It's just... That game sort of, I was all interested in Fallout at that level, mm. and um, it just sort of ruins any DLC set at that level for me as well. But did you have another problem with it other than that? Oh, just, a, just a lack of interest, really. I think by that point, Fallout 4 had kind of burnt out for me. Yeah. Um, the story just never drew me in, like New Vegas or Fallout 3 did, or Fallout 2 or 1 for that matter. Just, it's, it's not the same. Like I've never been... As into Fallout games as I have been into uh, Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. I think it's just, it's said, I think it's sometimes it's a personal preference for some people what setting you want. And for me, that fantasy aspect fantasy, is, yeah. is where it's at. I grew up, at, you know, getting Lord of the Rings read to me at a really, really young age. And from that moment on, I was like, yep, that's, that's what I want to play. Rather than sort of the Mad Max type world. So, yeah, it wasn't on my list, to be honest, Pete. Was it on yours? Yeah. I mean, I, I've barely played Fallout 4, so no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose that maybe segues again into... <laughs> the segues. Big, expansive RPGs from last year that had DLC this year. The Witcher DLC. I okay. know you guys wanted to talk about I, that. I, I want to make I a point. I want to make a strong point here that I did not think that's where you were going because I don't want Fallout 4 to be associated with The Witcher 3. <laughs> Um, Could not be more different games. Yeah, so The Witcher didn't come out. Witcher Three didn't come out this year, but the DLCs did. Uh, both of them. Or Hearthstone might have been at the very end of twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think like October or something. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll talk just about Blood and Wine then. Yeah. Which is the DLC that both me, me and Connor are playing. I think we have to recommend The Witcher Three on the whole as probably the greatest, Game's one straight. of the at least top five RPGs ever created, top ten games ever created. Talking about uh, games where you should learn to pace yourself. Like, The Witcher 3 will teach you to do that because yeah. if you're this kind of guy who wants to finish the... If, if he wants to finish the entire game, I'm not talking about the story, but the entire mm. game here, like, as quickly as possible... He's like, not going to do it. It's like, oh, that first day, that second day, and I'd imagine by that third day... <laughs> that, that was my experience with it. It was, like, a week... Of, like, not being of, anywhere near close to finishing. Of just playing and playing and playing. Waking up, playing yeah. Witcher, going to sleep. It's like when Diablo 3 came out. Oh, it was man. great. I loved it. I loved Diablo I 3. Witcher, the Witcher is just... this. The, for me, the big separator 
like between that and other games is the invest like investigation and just the way that like problems are solved in that game hmm. it's just really great like on multiple occasions Geralt talks about how like I would prefer to lift the curse hmm. to reason with the monster to yeah. find out that he's actually not a threat yeah any of that before just going off and killing it um, and you can go off and just kill everything in this game, but it's not advisable. Yeah. You know, you ruin story storylines. You get people's inns burned down <laughs> for trying to help. Yeah. If you don't think of things through, you're going to have a really hard time with the witch. So, so let's talk specifically about Blood and Blood Wine. Wine. What did that add? Like, was there any new mechanics or anything that it added to the game? Or was it just it's more like a mechanics new area? Which DLC, but like the story it's was... The story. Yeah. The story was great. That's the game. Is, is like the, the stories. Yeah. But did it add like any cool new weapons it, or spells it, or anything like it that? It added a new mm-hmm. a, addition to the kind of the skill system, the ability point system in yeah. like the advanced mutagens. Yeah. But which is awesome. Which is cool. No, not the, not, I mean the quest line. I like the quest line. But <laughs> even, yeah, the quest line was cool too. And th- that's the Witcher 3. The quest line was yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I, I think you're asking like the wrong questions for the Witcher. It's like, did you get a new sword? Like, I don't even know. I got twenty hours of yeah. dialogue. And I couldn't even tell you what sword I'm using right now. Yeah. You know, um, my house is full of every different witcher set on mannequins, but I don't care because you know, <laughs> yeah, that's not the important part of the game. Yeah, um, the the story I thought was was really was was great. I liked going to such a different area. You know, like you're out of the swamps of. You're out of like just like the, the north, and, like the, the the swamps, or like just the mud and shit of the northern realms, and like yeah. of of you go from you go from fantasy shitty England <laughs> to fantasy France. Yeah. Uh, so it's more fantasy Poland, really. Yeah. But. The 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 like the climate definitely made me think France. Yeah. Oh. Um, and the whole idea that this, these people seem lovely, but if you actually attacked them, they'd probably be fucked. Yeah. That kind of fellow yeah. friends. <laughs> Everything on the front of it looks beautiful and pristine and welcoming. But yeah, it shows that underneath it's the same yeah. shithole. Like it's it doesn't matter different... if it's polished, it's still, you know. Yeah. It's a very it's still horrible people doing horrible things. It's just different to the Northern Realms and it just gives you that, that... like I I think it's this great sort of transition where at the start of Blood and Wine, like just from the beginning where you get they meet these two like that you start the DLC by meeting with these two uh, knights errant from Tucson who uh, Geralt knows, and they're like wearing this great full plate gold, gold armor. Yeah. It just so contrasts with the landscape, like this big plumage, yeah, these big shields, and they they speak with all this ceremony and just like they're really, you know what? Like the biggest thing for me, it was not the armor, but they were friendly. Mm. Like they were friendly. They didn't. They they just seem like nice guys, yeah. which you just don't meet in The Witcher. <laughs> um, and like they are like, oh, we want to give you this contract but beforehand. Like we've heard the bandits attacking this town. We got to save the peasants. Yeah, we better save these guys. Like it's just and, and you know, Geralt's like, well, by saving, we're gonna have to kill all the bandits. You, you know, you, like and they're all talking about. Well, we'll give them fair warning, but you know. <laughs> We'll tell them they'll, they'll, they'll so sort out the error of their ways, you know. And then and this is great, like contrast bit where they, you know, they say they stand up on this hill, and like think about what you're doing in your hearts, you know, it's wrong. And the other guy's, oh fuck you and your mum. <laughs> 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 um, and then you go off to Tucson, which is this 
big green yeah, rolling hills rolling hills filled with colourful people, fabrics, vineyards, weird accents. Yeah. <laughs> weird sort of quests involve you finding a statue's balls. Yeah. <laughs> you give yeah. them a rub at the end. You know? Yeah. Just for luck. Just for luck. And um I think for me it was a really great DLC because the main plot thread was um you know, revolves around the whole idea of um, talking to the monster. Mm. Because, yeah, the, your actual contract that brings you there is trying to hunt what they, like, comes to be called, like, the Beast of Beauclair, mm. uh, which is this monster that takes many forms, apparently. Um, it's a vampire! Yeah, well, you... Yeah, <laughs> but you don't think that because they take many... Like, only higher vampires do that. Yeah. They're a particular type of vampire. They're, like, super different to other vampires in The Witcher. Because mm. um, they're, like, regular people. They're, all, they're a lot, like, extreme movie vampires. Or, like, Van Helsing vampires. And they just look like a dude. And they have a form. And then they have a second form that's, like, even creepier than that. And then eventually they sort of turn into a boss from Resident Evil. As it turns out. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, and you're, 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 like, hunting him down. And also working out why he's committing these murders because they're like very clear they're like staged murders they don't make any sense um, and it's a very winding path to figure it out yeah and like, you can take a few different paths to get there as well which is great especially the diversion path near the end I think like yes there's a diversion path at the end not to spoil anything where you can take like I, I was going down the path of understanding mm-hmm and I reached that and I had to change everything, which is really felt really bad in terms of role playing. It didn't make much sense, but there was an opportunity to see, I like seeing crazy monsters. There was an opportunity to see a, a crazy monster yeah. or not. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to see the crazy monster. <laughs> um, to be fair, that option, yeah. like I think uh, from a lore perspective was the more interesting one. Yeah, clearly. Um actually getting to see the conjunction of the spheres like which in the witcher lore is a really big thing yeah um it was really really cool you know it's not that they really fleshed out the world yeah i i really love this dlc yeah it was, it was great by the way yeah. like it shouldn't need any recommendation play the witcher 3 and like, definitely play blood and wine and definitely play both the dlc i mean the, the package is like 30 bucks now on steam ridiculous more. it's ridiculous yeah it's, be- it's better value than you'll get anywhere it's else 30 bucks for over 100 hours of gameplay. A ridiculous amount of gameplay. Like, it, it, it's like crazy. It, it's the kind of thing where I can't, I, I, I'm trying to think back to when I first played Skyrim and thought, wow, like all the books in here, are, like there's actual writing in the books. This must have taken them ages. Mm. It just seems like Charles played it. And it's not all janky it. like Skyrim is, mm. is the thing. Is that, that, world, <laughs> that world is so polished. Yeah. And everything fits together so well compared to the yeah, you interact RPG. with real people with their own motivations. Yeah. With their There's cutscenes for like everything. Yeah, well, that's because it's it's all about the it's all about the story and the talking. And yeah, which is why I'm super excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. I'm so sad that the Witcher story is pretty much over now, but Cyberpunk should be great because Siri will be in there. The, really? Yeah. The thing yeah. that I chances are I don't know. there's a <laughs> reference in. Uh, in the game where Siri says she went to a world full of people augmented, like mixed with machines. That's what? Awesome. Yeah. It's because she jumps through she, worlds. She's like, a oh, that's cool. So, yeah. but 
Where I'm up at the store, I haven't, I haven't found her yet. Okay. So. In the which all you, all you use that for is to like roll, yeah. <laughs> jump short distances. It's, it's and cool. <laughs> roll, yeah. Um, how do I explain? There, there's a side mission in The Witcher that's just self-contained, so I feel like I could talk about it. But like, mm. there's the whole idea. If you haven't played it, there's a, there's a side mission in, in Blood and Wine where you. Um, hear about a monster, go to a house, and you see these cur- this curse written all over the walls of this old house. Um, and it says, ooh, it says something along the lines of like, um, uh, you want, you'll never see yourself, in, want to see yourself in a mirror again. You'll... It's no one will ever eat with you. Yeah, no one will ever die. No one will ever dine off your table. Mm. No spoon will say you um stuff like that yeah. and uh the curse was put on this woman it essentially makes her uh like a, a creature it's called a white and it's like sort of a goblin a ghoulish dried kind of skin kind of thing i think they're supposed to live in the desert um and it's like with pots in her head she's like this creepy creepy monster Mm. And you go down to the basement, and what you do, what do you do? You open the door. Well, it, 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 one of the if options. You're, is. If you're not a dick, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you open the door. Uh, she's like bubbling away in this cauldron, and it comes up and jumps at you. And you just so sort of calmly explain what you're doing. She can't speak, but like, but she can understand. She so. can understand. And you like, and you sit down on the table with her, and you think it through. And you're like, okay, all right. So what we're gonna need is we're gonna just sit down willingly. You know, like. At, at, at this little table that she has, drink this brew, brew which almost kills you, but witches are resistant to toxins, so it doesn't. Mm. You know, and then you've got to like, mm, we can't eat with spoons. We've got to eat this soup, like drink it from the bowl because there's no spoon. Like you just solve the curse that way. Yeah. And she turns back into this nice old lady. <laughs> this old crone. <laughs> this old crone who can live with you in your vineyard. <laughs> I think she becomes your cook, which I don't know if I entirely trust. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is weird considering like the thing. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't make her my cook, but just stuff like that. That's the Witcher. Yeah, yeah. In, cool. in any other game like Skyrim, you go into the cave, you kill a monster, you walk out, yeah. get a little loot. Okay, well, I suppose while we're on it, did you guys want to talk about? Or well, Sam, did you want to talk about the Skyrim oh, remaster? Oh yeah. So this isn't a game of the year for me, but um, I wanted to talk about. I'll get them both out of the way. You know, there, there are two different game, two games that. I thought were big news items that came out this year that I, we, we've got to mention. One is Skyrim Re, uh, Remastered, a Skyrim Special Edition, um, which I initially like laughed at, but um, I just but you bought it and you've gotten it, back into the Skyrim. Like that's the difference. Yes. I love Skyrim, and yeah, I've gotten back into it. I, I, I've maxed, I've like power leveled my alchemy and enchanting and smithing. Like I'm right there again. Um, and loving it, but I won't say much about that other than, um, uh, having played it on both, uh, console, computer, and now special edition, Mm. um, special edition's good. For people who don't have a PC that could run a modded out Skyrim, or just don't want to bother modding Skyrim, it's like, not the most intensive thing in the world, but it's not the easiest thing in the world either. Um... But that's what it primarily is, though. It's not a content update. It's a graphical update. It's a and graphical an update, en- yeah. A small engine update to allow for yeah. mods to do a bit more. That are some <coughs> really nice little things that they've added. Like the when you the water is really nice. Run, the water is really nice. The fact that you, when you load in um, and go through that 
you know, thing where you're on a cart tied up. I'm sure we're all fucking sick of that scene, right? Um, and you, as soon as you step off the cart to uh, make your character and explain who you are, it makes a like permanent, undeletable save name, not a named after a character name, but named named prisoner. Yeah, that you can just go back to. Oh, and it, okay. all it does is it, it just skips out that scene on the cart. So it's done like a bunch of quality of life changes. Or you get a better start mod. And... Yes, or you get a better start mod and then you can start as a vampire or, or whatever. Like, yeah. modern Skyrim is definitely better, but I think the changes I found really nice. Um, one thing in Skyrim that's really important is your, like, your field of view. Mm. Um, it, it's actually a really important thing for the game, I think, because the main quest lines in Bethesda games are never the best. Uh, and like you want to explore in Skyrim, yeah. And the field of view like is really important to that. I think when I played it on cons on my first my three sixty, uh, if you stand on White Run, you can't see the mountains; they're just blobs, right? Oh, do you mean uh, view distance rather than? Oh, sorry, yeah, the view distance. Yeah, shit. Sorry, that must have sounded weird. Oh. Feel the view is important, <laughs> but no view distance. Sorry. So if you stand in white run, everything looks like a grey blob around you. Mm. And then if you play special edition, now your view distance has really increased because uh, you know the console can handle it, and you see detailed mountains. Yeah. And you like you just want to go there. Uh, so I think that was, was really important. It's one of the things that wants uh, makes me want to buy like a complete supercomputer. Is that yeah. at least on the computers in the game's any files you can up so the game loads grids around you in like and by default i think on the computer it loads a radius of five grids around you mm-hmm. you can bump it up to like i think the highest stable i've seen is about 11 but you could Jeez. like bump it up to like 25 or something ridiculous and it will fully load in the world around you just like the in game. full detail yeah, yeah. which is I, I mean i can't wait to come back to the game in like 10 years with an amazing computer and hopefully it will still run properly and i can do that i can have the oh entire yeah skyrim is one of those games that will just be perpetual if you have I the think. ability to come back to if you have the ability to play skyrim modded on pc mm. then you should that's my recommendation for like special edition you should just do that yeah uh if you can't or you don't want to and you want to scratch that issue yeah special edition is it does that for me yeah it, it does it just fine um, not game of the year, but well, it's just a remaster. It's just a, re- it's just a remaster. So what was the other thing you wanted to bring up? So the other big thing that happened this year, Pokemon Go. Yes. Like, if you're going to talk about games this year, like that's... We've that's talked about that game a lot on this podcast. We have. But I think it so, bears mentioning again. Yeah, we'll just mention episode. it briefly. We're going to talk about sheer volume of players. Yeah. yeah. Just something that, unlike anything I've ever seen, became a global phenomenon and it's now kind of trickled off a bit. It has. But no, just like it, ha- it has. For like two yeah. months, was just everywhere. Everybody was playing it. You would go for a drive in the evening and you would see people walking around with their phones in front of their faces it, playing Pokemon Go. Like, it was I've the never demographic. Seen, that, yeah. In fact, like, that amazed me that there wasn't one. Like, right? like, but it, it targeted, well, the, the smartphone generation is the yeah. same generation that played you know, Pokemon on their Game Boy when they grew up. Yeah. So it fits so perfectly. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I remember passing, uh, me, me, me and Liv, we got like really into the mm. Pokemon Go when we played it all, all the way up to like a week or two ago. Um, and like the people that I passed, we, we were used to go on like walks everywhere. Um, and we, we were walking by down the Manly you were and, going like Pokemon Go dates. Yeah, we passed this woman 
like walking with her two kids, right? Her two kids were like 10 and they all had phones. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like the kids are playing Pokemon, roped her into it. And I walk by and and this little kid just turns to her and she's like, and he's like, mom, can we go home now? And she goes, no, just give me a second. I'm going to get some Dratini around here. <laughs> and she was, yeah. She yeah, was my mom, my mom was playing it. Um, and there was the, the biggest the the, the biggest uh, shock I, I got was when I we we were going to a certain pier which was a really high level gym, mm. really high level. Uh, it didn't have max people in it, but there were about nine Pokemon in it, and all of them were above twenty seven hundred, and that was um, way closer to the start of the game. Like that was a, a really big deal then. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I I can't be this one, Liv. And we saw it getting taken down and it was getting taken down by these four dudes, right? Who rocked up, got out of their car, who were very, like, I would hazard a guess. I I, I go with 80% sure that they were criminals. Like they were, they They were just members of the Hell's Angels. Yeah. Yeah. Just out like doing their Pokemon thing. And then they got into like this sort of like, um, talk with this other group of rough looking dudes who were the gym's owners. <laughs> and I was like, there is going to be a gang war. <laughs> like just man, you, you, you think what I'm saying is ridiculous. Like they were like all like thirties to, to late forties, mm. um, like leather or like NASCAR shirts. Like the one guy I remember was this guy talking about fucking Gyarados. Right? <laughs> and he was, he was wearing this red NASCAR shirt mm. Squat dude, I'd say 40s, uh, with this red beard and red plaited ponytail going down like past, like going down like past his ass, (laughs) cigarette in hand, like studded bracelet, just Just the whole work. Super bogus. Talking about this damn Gyarados that he was trying to beat. It was just the most surreal thing. Yeah, I I think. The success of that game is pretty incredible, and it's been pretty quiet as of late. They've yeah. released, they've, I think they've finally starting to add some new mm. content. No, not like not there's. Really. I I saw a news article somewhere that said they're going to add the um the second generation of Pokemon reasonably soon. That comes out every now and then. That same article. Oh really? I see it come out like every now and then. It's just people wish. It's wishful thinking. Like people are talking about. Someone said it was in like the game source code. Yeah, but that's why people have been talking about it. Like, it, it's... I think it's, it's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, treat that... And they did, they did a, like, they did a Halloween event. Yeah, they did, um, which they basically made... just, like... It, but all they did in the Halloween event, event is that they made candies, like, drop from, from the sky. Like, Pikachu uh, was your partner, your buddy. You walk 2Ks of Pikachu, you get a candy... Now it was like 0.1k you get a candy with Pikachu. So it's oh, just really? like... Oh, okay. Uh, and you catch something, that's two candies. You know, instead of one. You dismantle it, that's two candies instead of one. It's like they, they just shower just for candy in this desperate attempt to, like, <laughs> to get, get people to, to play. play yeah. No, I played for a long time. There was that initial drop-off where like everyone was playing it and then like uh, a big portion of the player base were just going to play it for a little bit. They heard about it and that dropped off. Yeah. And then... Um, I felt like there was that second, there was a second drop where people sort of evolved that Pokemon they really wanted to, mm. or like finally got into a gym. And then there was that steady group of people. I would see them every now and then 
who like like me would go um, beat their two morning gyms, like find the place where I could have three gyms mm. or two gyms, collect that daily gold, and get my coffee in the morning. That was that was like part of my daily routine. Right. I walked to uni in my classes. I knew where the stops where I do that. Yeah. So I was really into it. Um, but nothing nothing good ever came to that game. Like. We saw still, pa- we saw patches two million dollars a day. Yeah, we saw patches that made no sense. Um, problems that people were talking about constantly never got fixed. Um, there was a time where we were talking about how they still haven't fixed the like catch Pokemon, like the ability to track down where Pokemon are accurately. Have they? Um, so so that was that was probably one of the decisions that I do understand. So originally when the game came out, you had this group of six Pokemon um, that you knew were around you and they were ordered in, in like closest distance wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then each one of them had uh, th- steps next to them. So it was one step, two step or three step. So one step away, man, it was really, really close. So you could, you could hone in on them more with the step system mm-hmm. and that's what they took away. But now... And they took it away because of server issues. Yeah, it was was really a big load on their server. The real problem was that the game didn't run smooth enough to and didn't sample quick enough Mm. to get an accurate idea of where you are to the point that you could use that ordering to help you at all. So the steps were so... like was The scale was small enough that even with the shitty locating, that sort of helped you. Yeah. And then when they took that away, you couldn't find anything. It was only, if it was only nearby, it could be in China. You, you don't know. Uh, now, what they've done is really made it a lot smoother in terms of it finding you and keeping track of you and right. moving you. Like the problem was before, you had to stand still before it would recheck where you were. So you, you couldn't hone in on it at all. Now you can just use that system of like, what's the closest Pokemon? Like, so if, if one moves up in a rank, you know, you're going towards it down, you know, yeah. you're going away from it. You can use that just fine. You don't need the steps anymore. Obviously, I think I think that system is still not ideal, though. And that's kind of where the game dropped off for me when there was no way for me to reliably and without, like, looking up facts and, and instructions of how to actually do this, to not have a game, to, to not have something in the game that actually made it easy for you to catch Pokemon, which is what the game is all about. But the, like that's where it dropped off for me, and I think they still haven't really fixed that problem. Well, what I would use is an external thing to work out, like IVs. I'd use an external thing to work out um, where like the best places were to catch Pokemon. Like, everything was all these great tools that I used weren't provided by night. Yeah, yeah, which I think they is, did nothing. Which I think is a mistake by the developer. Yeah. But now, now you can ask your guy, like your yellow team leader guy, something, and he'll say like, "Oh, he's he's great," and the exact wording of what he says indicates what the Pokemon's are. Which is are. something from the actual Pokemon yeah. games. And, and 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 now the locations locating system it works fine, even though the steps aren't there. It's actually as accurate as when the steps were there. You, right. There is no difference. It's because of like the sample rate is high enough now like you, you get that same level of like triangulation yeah but I, th- I think I think before. the step system didn't work well to begin with anyway no and now it does that's what I'm saying like the, the yeah but I, th- I think that whole like shifting Pokemon around and just saying it's near you doesn't actually tell you where like I, I don't think that's a very you, intuitive system what would you have them do just tell you where it is yeah plonk an arrow on your head 
point you in the direction of which way you should be going and allow you yeah, to like that's, hone but in that's on not stuff. the game the the game is meant to be about actually searching searching and stumbling on things and then like, and then hunting them down like that's the greatest thing where, you, where there's like a routine it pops up in the nearby list right and then all of a sudden everyone like breaks rank Petrini won't do it now but I saw a Gengar pop up on a list and then everybody who's pretending not to be a Pokemon Go fan like breaks character splits off from their their girlfriend or whatever, and, and just starts running in directions you know that's the thing is like people running in different directions no 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 it's disappeared you know, like, <laughs> until eventually they find it mm. it's not like they the Pokemon jump around they're in a fixed position once someone finds it they all find it but it's just that 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 was like the whole game to me as part of the chase if I was just like going around collecting shit I wouldn't even play the game um, but anyway, now they had the Halloween event. They gave us everything. I've evolved literally everything I need to. I've got a Dragonite with 100% IVs in every single thing. I'm done. Yeah, that's the end. That's the end. Yeah. That's that game. It won't come back. No matter what they do now, it won't come back. I don't even think they had an actual Pokemon battling. Yeah, maybe. If they made second, it more I'll, like the actual Pokemon game. Well, and that's what happens to the second crazy. generation coming out. If you could beat up children for their money. You know, you could, like yeah. you're doing Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to do that. Um, anyway, that was that's Pokemon Go. Yeah, probably talked about it. Give it a lot of air time, but it needed anyway, some air time. Yeah. Um, another big sort of getting away from that, our favorite games of this year discussion. Another mm-hmm. big phenomenon or big news story this year was No Man's Sky, and the yeah. absolute shit shitstorm yeah. that surrounded that game. Um, Which I I still kind of stand by our review of the game that it is an incredible experience, unlike anything I've experienced before in games. The problem with IGN it is... IGN quote had... you now on that. You know, like, <laughs> why would IGN quote me on that? Because there are so few positive things. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> grab no, no, somewhere. But, but why would IGN quote me on that? Because I wanted to give it a nine and a half. Nine, nine and a half review. That was, one of the, yeah. that was like one of the big points of the game was that like this was one of those games that we've had a big argument no, about pub- before the- on the podcast, but that big review, people like IGN reviewed really high and everyone thought... It got like, averages of sixes. Across no, the board. No, it didn't. Like, yes, was, it did. It got high. It got hyped by everyone. It, but it got the reviews. When, once it came like, out, check the pre-release reviews. Yeah, that's the thing. Pre-release reviews. There were no pre-release reviews. Really, they embargoed yeah. all reviews. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they didn't get people didn't get the game until the day it came out. This game, this game's like entire life was dictated by. The hype like, train. It's, the it's hype got a. Train and it's got a, meta, yeah, it it's was, got a Metacritic score of seventy-one. Yeah, but have a look at some of those reviews. Like you're passing by. No, but they're. I mean, they're not really Time Magazine, I suppose. But till you get to some, but like, look, almost every review yeah. you will go past, like anyone that actually rates Game Informer gave what, it seventy five. I guess it depends how you have to rate your game. Do you rate the game purely on the product that you are presented? What do you take into account? Because yeah. like, if you like read off the back of the box what they offered you and that wasn't offered, can you still say it's a great game? Even if the yeah. contents of the game are great, when you've been lied to in that fashion, can you still, in good conscience, call it? I game? think the problem with the game, it was in the marketing and in the hype leading up to the game. I think that the developers weren't forthcoming about what the game actually was. They never they actually... They said directly... Like said it was more. They said wrong yeah. things. Like yeah. that and they never actually said it was just kind of like one of those survival games. But I, I don't think it should have uh, I don't think they should have been crucified like they like they were. No. 
Um, I think that whole color blue is maybe a bit... People got very invested in it. Yeah. Some people thought this was the next coming of Jesus. (laughs) Like, yeah. They thought it was the next big, massive space exploration game. Which it just kind of isn't. And you could do whatever you wanted. Which is all, like, it is is very much Minecraft in space. Like, that, that bit's definitely covered. It's just... It's not my... But, like, there's no crafting. Yeah, I, I just mean as in here is the new freeform yeah, game in which yeah. you can do yeah. what you want. And, like, if I were to recommend a survival game, like Subnautica, like, for example, it's a fixed world. It's yeah. not any of this ridiculous procedural generation. It's a world that the devs have put work into and it's a joy to explore. Yeah, and the pro- what the problem with this game was is that it is procedurally generated and a lot of the trailers and demos that they gave before the game came out, that content isn't even in the game. Like some of the big crazy yeah. monsters and stuff that they showed aren't in the game, and the Although graphical a, level of graphical of fidelity is less. That, the the whole idea, like the the complexity in the planet generation that they hyped up as well, that is in the game. That's mm. that that's how this thing was generated. I think um, it gave them a lot of problems. Like there could be a entirely ocean world with a subterranean network underneath it and a giant kraken monster Mm. but it's actually probable Mm. that no one visits it yeah that no one playing the game ever sees it yeah and however cool that was that is it's very cool to me like um i should say that i totally missed this never saw this never saw the hype okay then never saw the storm afterwards um, Peter, when Peter explained the game to me, I was like, oh, that sounds great. And he explained to me as it was. And then I, th- I think the nicer thing would have been if it was like, okay, we've generated 12 really highly detailed yes. worlds. Yes. But still no man's sky, no man's sky, a bit of a disappointment. I still really, really enjoyed my time with the game. I, 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 I stand by well, what yeah. we said. Yeah. Um, I was really into it for, for a bunch. Like I really liked what was going on under the hood with the planet generation in like a, in terms of a conceptual almost scientific way like in terms of playing the game this whole idea that uh you won't actually see like 99 percent of the game that you just bought is not good i think it's, it's kind of yeah. crap like having as you said a, a really interesting way to do it would be to have 12 planets and i think the way that they could have still incorporated the whole idea of like oh we just let this thing run and build itself mm. um is that you build your billion planet system mm. and then pick the like 50 of the most interesting things that's created yeah. because there'll be like 10,000 planets that are exactly the same and you put them into the game. It's still generated that way, but like you guarantee it, it, the players it needed a way to, it yeah. needed more filtering to filter out the less interesting stuff. Yeah. And the same thing with the creatures, right? Like just yeah. filter out some of the creatures that yeah. look exactly the same or just, look crap yeah because like the the first 10 planets i went to the creatures almost all looked virtually the same yeah and that was a bit of an issue that i had um from from a scientific perspective i really liked how like the it's it's definitely moved the the way that they develop planets i don't know if you would call it a procedural generated thing it's almost it's very akin to um stuff that i see in machine learning it's kind of like that um, there are definitely like more, it's more of a structured rule-based interactions kind of thing, mm. which is really great, but I just don't really think it 
Pussy. They used, use they use some game. really yeah. cool tech in this game. Yeah, yeah. I think it probably wasn't worth $60 at launch. No. No. Because... No. Because you, it, what you're buying just, is not the billion planet system. You're buying, like, the 15 that you visit. Yeah. Which could be all red and barren. Yeah, there's a reason we pay the, the $6 for the AAA games is because we expect, you know, a certain amount of work has gone into creating a certain amount of fidelity and whatnot. Yeah, and that... It was a pretty cool achievement for a six-person team or whatever it was. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty insane. Yeah. But just the... Uh, I think they mismanaged the hype. Yeah. Which... Can you really blame them for wanting to sell heaps of copies of their game? Yeah. They're really... Yeah, just, I, I, really I, I, I can blame them if they did yeah, it the Yeah, their way. reputation is... Post-launch, it's been a bit shit for that studio. Yeah. I hope they made enough money to live off. Yeah, because that's the conscious... <laughs> One would think they quite possibly have. That was a very clear like, conscious decision that they made to... To say the things they said that they, which they would have known, mm. weren't true. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you you can't really come back from that. I almost think I I'm almost inclined to judge the studio and the game separately because I did enjoy the game. Like I would, I'm happy I bought it. Mm. So I I don't want to say it's a bad game, but it was made by bad developers, I guess. You know, like uh or, or something like that. But there, I, there are ethical issues. Yeah, in the game beyond. exactly. Yeah. Any reference to the game itself. Yes. It's like yeah. a very, very light version of enjoying a serial killer's painting. <laughs> I think. It's like, do you judge the art? <laughs> purely on the art? Or the stuff that happened behind it? Yeah. Um, the next game that I want to talk about, which I have talked about yeah. to, to a large extent on this podcast already, is Uncharted 4. Yeah. So uh, just... That was definitely my favourite big AAA release this year. Yeah. Um, it looks incredible. The be- definitely the best looking console game out there. I think. Um, I think Battlefield One maybe gives it a bit of a run for its money, but I it is just incredible. The story is so great. The gameplay is so vastly improved from Uncharted Three. Um, it, it's just a really fun game. It's sort of the flagship series for the, the yeah, PlayStation. Yeah, definitely. Naughty Dog is just batting a thousand. Like. Hmm. They've had such an incredible streak from Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, Last of Us, and now Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited to see what they release next, and I think this was just such an incredible experience that if you have a PlayStation, you owe it to yourself to play. I'm not playing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Disappointing, yeah. Sam. Yeah. How um, could you? So I think uh, I did want to briefly mention one more game, but... The, this really ties into the final game that I want to, that I think we should all talk about. Oh, okay, well, before we talk about the final game then, Connor, did you have anything to mention? Um, let's see. It's something like really lighthearted and completely different from everything else we've talked about. Yeah. Golf with your friends. <laughs> it's What is golf with golf your with friends? Golf with your friends is an online kind of multiplayer putt-putt golf game. <laughs> it's the putt-putt you play when you come bullets go outside. Um, it's... And it's just a really fun little game. Um, is it like a sort of physics-based... Uh, yeah, it's just a vir- physics-based... Like virtual um, putt-putt virtual, game? Virtual putt-putt. Which is great um, considering the fact that putt-putt is already the game that you play if you can't be bothered to go play golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game, you- <laughs> game you play if you can't be bothered to not be bothered to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and it's... it's little, You know, you play with the variables, you can play with the physics a little bit, you know, changing... Shot strength, bounce strength, um, 
You can Does it have change like... the shape of the balls. You can fire cones really? around and That's squares. Cool. Does it have cubes like cubes rather? Does it have like a bunch of really wacky courses? Oh yeah, at the moment there's there's four courses, each of eighteen holes. Um, it you know it's you can get super competitive with it. You know you can find out what's the craziest way I can get a hole in one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think that's it's completely different from everything we've talked about. So yeah, you know yeah. it's like twenty bucks or something. It's still an early access. That's awesome. But it's a really fun game. You know, you oh, get that's four cool. or five mates together play it. And it's just great. It reminds me of um, playing pool on mini clip many many moons ago where it was just a very simple just kind of drag thing. And click. Yeah, yeah drag and click the yeah, i really enjoyed it so i might buy that Is yeah it? i mean a bunch of us play it so yeah it's just a good time like i'm a fan of pop up you only have to play like you can sit down for half an hour and play it like you're not it's not not something you're locked into yeah it's golf it's, golf. <laughs> it's mini golf on the computer that's awesome so. that's awesome Never discount those those games. I think, like yeah, in terms of how much fun they can actually, how much joy they can bring you. You know, some of these big, more complicated games can bring you a lot of joy, or they can really just shit you. And I feel like putt putt. It's very difficult. It's really yeah, yeah. Like after a day playing grand strategy games, it's nice to just play some golf. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to not think. That's a very good. That's a very good suggestion. Um. So, yeah, if you take anything away from this, go buy yourself putt-putt golf on the yeah. computer. Go, go buy golf go, with your friends. Go pick up... Go go do some maths puzzles on Rossi Lake and then go <laughs> play some putt-putt, you know? Do something different. The whole package will cost you, what, like $26 to play both games? <laughs> Compare the two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I suppose now would be the perfect time. Yeah, to... so I wanted to segue... Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah go for it. Um, so... Uh, I wanted to first talk about, really briefly, uh, mention uh, a game called Salt and Sanctuary, which is really tied to Dark Souls, and that's yeah. what we're, we're leading towards. Which, which we have talked about before. Out. Yep, which I have talked about before, so I won't get into it too much. But uh, Salt and Sanctuary is um, the game that has... The, the only game so far that I've, I've had a look at that I think still captures the soul of Dark Souls. Well, yeah, I don't know, it captures the feeling of Dark Souls. I don't want to say Souls twice. Um, there's a lot of games where it's like the, the combat is the same mm. or they've tried to make things really difficult to sort of really capitalize on the Dark Souls thing. Yeah. But nothing has really done it for me apart from Salt and Sanctuary. Uh, it's a game made by um, two people, uh, just a, a couple mm. who are really big fans of Dark Souls and wanted to... Uh, and. and they were already sort of interested it's in It's basically like games. 2D Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, yes. Although it's got its own story behind it. It actually sort of feels very different. Like I could play, I could feel like playing Dark Souls and feel like playing Salt and Sanctuary. They're different. Yeah. Um, to the lay person though, it is 2D Dark Souls. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Lord of the Fallen or whatever the game was called. No. Jeez, that was bad. That was, was it? That game was really bad. Just yeah. a pile of garbage. Yeah. Right. It, it was really like, you know how Dark, Dark Souls, the, the, like the, response time of the controller and just the it's really important because it's, it's really important and it's yeah. just off in lords of the fallen like there's a bit of a input lag there were yeah. many things wrong with that game yeah it just wasn't great glad i brought it up then yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah soul sanctuary it, it's a really great game um you don't have to play dark souls to play it you don't even need to like dark souls to play it because it is a platformer it is mm. different um it isn't 
it can just never be as complicated and difficult because yeah. of its constraints. But within there, it's it's it, they've done a really beautiful job with the very simple like system that they have. The yeah. artwork is phenomenal. It's so bleak. It, I get a limbo feel from it. I think, yeah, looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it, it's great, and it's and it's a cheaper alternative to buying Dark Souls if you really if you really don't want to buy Dark Souls. Uh, which you should. Which you sh- fucking should. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but that's Salt and Sanctuary. Uh, mm. It's another, it's a little cheap, cheap game on Steam. Um, but Dark Souls itself, Dark Souls Three uh, came out this year, earlier on, and then Ashes of Ariandel came out um, quite recently. The first DLC for it. Uh, we've all played Dark Souls Three. Yep. Um, I unsurprisingly, <laughs> I'm going to say that it is my favorite. It is my game of the year. Uh, Dark Souls 3 I thought it was just it, it solved a lot of problems I had the few one of the few problems I had with Dark Souls the I really like PvP in Dark Souls mm-hmm. um, because I, you know I, I'm really I really love the challenge I feel like I really like getting better and once you've gotten better with the Dark Souls game some of the only challenges that you can really get um, is when you get invaded yeah and fighting those guys, I really like fighting. Like I started in Dark Souls two, fighting, um, like getting invaded at the very start of the game. It was different to Dark Souls one. The connectivity was just that it bumped up. Still not great, but bumped up enough that you did get invaded more and more. Yeah, and um, it was like a problem. Like it finally was a problem. I I had to choose whether to go human or not because I yeah. would run into people in Dark Souls two. Um, but the but the Connection-based stuff when you wanted to actually fight people, when you wanted to invade people, or when you wanted to like help a friend, wasn't quite there. Enough a lot of rubber too. banding. Yeah, a lot of rubber banding. A lot of just, a lot of just janky shit yeah. <laughs> happening in Dark Souls Two with that, which it still is a little bit, but it is vastly, vastly improved. It's vast, yeah, it's vastly improved. The the changes they made to the covenants system, just swapping in and out when you want to, um, but like the new covenants they added in, I thought were really great. Um, I love the bosses. I thought everything bosses was awesome. was so cool. Yeah. Just it, graphically, it was big step up from Dark Souls Two, which yeah, uh, obviously on a new console generation, mm. it just looks so great. Having come off Bloodborne Two, it was really it was going to be a really difficult thing to for me to say that the game was really really amazing because I I still think Bloodborne was my favorite game ever made. So to play Dark Souls three was it was going to be tough to beat it. Yeah, and I think the things that, that Dark Souls three takes from Bloodborne yeah. are a step in the right direction. And it's definitely still Dark Souls though. Yeah, the yeah. the pace changes, and um, you know obviously you can use a shield in Bloodborne and, and like the health ga- health uh, gain and stuff. It, it it's a big enough difference to make them still feel very different. Dark yeah, Souls yeah. three still feels like. Dark a Dark Souls game. Yeah, it's combat. Um, I think that but I think they definitely sped it up a lot. Um, yeah. they took some uh, some of the character models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it was nice to see new characters again, and I and I really liked this whole idea of spirit. Like people were talking about how Dark Souls Three, it's just it's just copying Dark Souls One, like the the char- some of the the characters in the story and everything, and the whole idea of the Dark Souls world is that. Cycling. Nothing changes. Like everything comes back. It's yeah. it, it's just a recycle of something else that happened. And 
Um, and I think Dark Souls 3 carries on really well. The whole idea of the world is converging. You can see those cycles come through. That's not a new thing. Yeah. You know, in Dark Souls. Um, yeah, I think kind of incredibly it actually told a a bit more coherent story than the previous games yeah. and an actually kind of interesting story. No, yeah. Obviously, it was really still the obscured yeah. Dark Souls-ness. Which is good. The, the thing that, but it was a bit more, like, coherent than it has been yeah. in the past. The thing that's, that um, usually comes up when you talk about, when, you, when, you, when you're all discussing Dark Souls with, with like, a group of people is... Um, it's inescapable this, this whole idea of being punished and stuff in Dark Souls and then like getting into it loving it working hard like trying to fight back it happens in every game but there's nothing like that first time yeah that you play you, you play a Dark Souls game I think like that just makes you inherently biased towards whatever one you played first most yeah. people is one you know yeah um, Connor you played Dark Souls 1 first I imagine yeah it, it took me three attempts to actually clear the game yeah. First time I uninstalled after the asylum demon. <laughs> Second yeah. time I uninstalled yeah. installed after Havel killed me when I walked into him at like level five, yeah. and then I finally got through it. But like that was a big wall to climb. I remember I remember really getting angry playing Dark Souls one, fighting the Capra demon. I'm gonna guess it was the Capra demon. Oh, actually, don't be. So uh, I beat the Cap. Uh, that's the problem. I mean, I played Dark Souls two first actually. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm mean, a huge Dark Souls fan, but I know I did play Dark Souls two first. I missed the I missed the first one. So, yeah, no, I beat the Capra Demon, like, first try. And it made uh, Chris, who we were playing with, <laughs> sort yeah. of annoyed about that. He's like, you need to struggle against this guy. Um, but I found that, you know, when you go back into the Asylum, actually, yeah, the second and fight demon. the second demon, he pissed me off. The AoEs were really uh, putting me off in terms of, like, where they were happening. There's, like, yeah. his little red mist AoEs. When he um, slams his ass on the ground. and uh, One of them he like pointed out in front of him and then there was an explosion at some distance in front of him. Um, mm, but the, yeah. the ball, it actually goes around his sides. It's large enough to go into his model and almost mm. come out the other side. So if you look like you're safe, you are actually not. Yeah, that's one of the biggest improvements in Dark Souls 3, I think, is hitboxes are yeah. really solid. Yeah, this. and I think maybe be- because of the graphical fidelity um, and just the increase in technology they can do that a yeah. lot better it's really important too like um dark souls in all its forms like it would be so much worse if the game is less responsive it's yeah. really important that it's responsive because the whole idea that like people are talking about how like dark souls is the hardest game i don't think it's the hardest game i've ever played um it's meant to teach you stuff and put all the... And the reason that it gets away with it is because it puts all the blame on you. Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest games because it's so fair. Yeah, exactly. And still hard. It has to be fair. Like, talking about why Lords of the Fallen is terrible, if you're going to do this, your game needs to be responsive because you need to give the player, like, every opportunity to, it needs to, to, to kill himself fair. and win for himself. <laughs> like, it needs to be all on you. It needs yeah. to be fair. Um and I, you know, yeah, I mimic chest aside. Yeah, mimic chest aside. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, even, even, they too, yeah. even they teach you something. You get killed yeah. by them once. Okay, maybe yeah. you get killed by them twice or three times until you realize that the chain. That I have to hit every single chest that I ever come. Well, no. Across. So, well, did you know? The, I, I know yeah, the, chain, the chain. Yeah, yeah. Like you can, you, even that you can sort of. Before I figured that out, I was just hitting. Yeah, yeah. Chain. I just hit every chest. <laughs> uh, I remember playing some. Uh, Oh, ro- roaming game. What was I playing? It was some third-person fighting game where mm. they and you open chests to get gems and shit. 
And I, I remember attacking it for no reason and just realizing, oh, right, it's just like a reflex of just attacking <laughs> chests. Um, yeah, so one of the things that uh, um, people struggle with playing the next Dark Souls game um, is that, that it will be... It won't, it'll still be challenging, but, you know, there won't be that sort of same curve. Mm. You'll, you'll, you'll be equipped... But I, I see that as a good thing. Like, I really enjoy my second playthrough of every Dark Souls game because I'm rewarded for my knowledge of the game and, like, for yeah. knowing where to go and for, and for knowing how to fight. Um, and It's often the easiest playthrough, though, I think, the second. Yeah. And we're just going through... Yeah, so when I go to a new Dark Souls game, I see it as just an extension of that. Yeah. I've learned... I've earned this. My yeah. right to beat Gundy the first time. I've earned this, you know... Uh, I put like 400 hours into Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2 combined. I have earned the right to kill Dundee the first time. Yeah. Um, and But, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I thought Gundir is great. Uh, talking about first areas, I think starting areas have been the things that have changed the most in Dark Souls games. So in Dark Souls 1, there was actual starting, like a really proper starting zone that was separate from everything else. You have to travel yeah. away from there. And it was meant to teach you what to do. You know, you fight those little guys first. You fight... Big boss demon who's really not that tough. Yeah, and then it. yeah, but looks it, and then you you go off and do your own thing. And in Dark Souls two, that I think that era is kind of a reference to the Demon Souls era, yeah. which had the exact same thing, and you fought a very similar boss to the Asylum Demon, except you just died. In, yeah, in Dark Souls one, I think I think it did it slightly better than Dark Souls two. Um, in Dark Souls two. You have that whole... You have that area, element of choice, which, which I actually like. Mm. Um, so it teaches you very often, very, very early on in the game. You can branch off. This is how it works. You can go wherever. Yeah. Um, but let's face it. You go to the giants. That's the best way to go mm. in Dark Souls 2. That's, that's the logical way to go. And you fight a lot of enemies before you finally get to the giant. Like too many, I think. And when you finally get to the giant... He's not yeah. even that hard. If you yeah, if you were bad at Dark Souls too, like if you'd come in with no experience, getting to your first actual boss that you felt like really proud for killing takes hours. Yeah, it's it's yeah. too long. I, I tried it with with Liv. We had this you know thing we played Dark Souls together. It was for um it was for oh, what was the, what was the, it had a really catchy name. Dark Soulmates. Dark Soulmates. This is like an event where you play with your partner kind of thing. So we did that. And um, I was really regretting playing Dark Souls, picking Dark Souls 2. I picked it because it was the slowest combat. Yeah. But uh, um, because Liv had never played a video game like that before. So to start on that one was pretty crazy. But <laughs> it's pretty punishing. We did that and Liv had a great time the first couple of times she fought some of the hollows. And mm. they came out and she panicked. You know, I had a great time watching that. Um, and But we just, she actually sort of just just said I can't deal with these hollows anymore and it's the same thing and she just quit without ever fighting a boss yeah and that's just terrible because the bosses are the things that really that's show what makes yeah Dark whereas Dark in Dark Souls 3 it's not that long before you get to fight it's, Gundy he's like bloody right away yeah, and Gundy you know, is actually hard the first boss is actually kind of difficult yeah he's he is by far I would say the the, the, the most difficult first boss of, of any Dark Souls game I think he's way harder the demon like he isn't even difficult he just looks difficult he's big yeah. and, and it's intimidating 
And I think he is, Gundy is actually, like, I think the bosses get easier as you go because you start to build out your character a bit and get the weapons that you want to be using and more armor and stuff like that. But, uh, Gundyr, Whereas with starting gear, Gundir is actually pretty difficult. Gundir, like, he has attacks that punish rolling at the wrong times yeah. or too frequently. Really punish rolling too frequently with Gundir. You can't just sword and board him, really. They're staggered attacks, too, which means that they are... Um, not timed with your roll cooldown, like some bosses. Yeah. Um, which is actually way more difficult than fighting a boss that attacks faster in terms of your roll. you're just tapping yes, you the roll button. When you see him attack, you can't just start hitting roll. You actually have to wait. Yeah. And yeah, you have to you have to time it out. He's it, a really good introduction introductory boss. Yeah, it was a way of almost removing the need for iframes whilst also encouraging good yeah. rolling. It's the actual thing is you need to slow it down. Yeah. And then people just can't mash. Yeah. They're not like Darkwood Grain ringing. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Darkwood Grain <laughs> so Darkwood Grain ring scythe decks build in the woods. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I really liked it. And in terms of it being um, easy because I played other games, uh, yeah, it was easier than if I hadn't played them but I still got the challenge out of it I really enjoyed it um, the thing about those games is they're never just easy then mm. yeah and never it's still easy to die you yeah you, even even if you're the most experienced player there is one boss that first time around that you fight him and it, it's definitely not the same for everyone yeah um, there'll be one boss that really shit like really shits you and you'll spend ages on it and you get angry almost and no away. matter what you're not gonna one shot every boss Anyway, um, Dark Souls 3. Any, yeah. Anyway, I think that's probably that's all we have time it. for in terms of games to talk about. Yeah. So now we have the unenviable task of picking one that will be the A Beer with Sam and Peter game of the year. Well, how about we just... We'll, we'll, we'll go with... What was your, what was everyone's favourite game favorite game this year? But we're going to pick one. Yeah, we'll pick one. That's, yeah. that's really difficult. Like, yeah. It's been a lot of... De- like, I don't think that much has stood out for me this year. Like, like well above the rest. So I think I have to go with Blood and Wine because it's the yep. sa- it's like like it's longer than almost everything I've played this year. That would be my second choice, definitely, close second. Yeah. Which is th- which are three uh, DLC Blood and Wine, Peter? That, um, What's yours? It it is such a tough thing because they're actually, although it hasn't been a bonkers year for games, there have been some really good stuff, and it's a pretty tough decision for me. But I reckon. Uh, it'd be it'd be WoW Legion or Uncharted Four. <laughs> so, so okay, uh, Uncharted yeah. Four. For I'll, I'll say. Sake, let's go with. Uncharted <laughs> 4. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. I'll say Uncharted Four for my favorite game this year. Yeah, those are our picks. Do we need one? What What do was your and yours was final was, game? Dark Souls yes. Three. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, yes, we do. So uh, okay, I'm. I'm just gonna throw out there. I think. I would be happy with Dark Souls 3 to be our beer with Sam and Peter game of the year. I think it was one we all okay. played and enjoyed. Yeah, if you're going to pick up something this year, it should be definitely... I think it's very much this podcast. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> if, just you, if, you wanna, if you're going to pick up anything this year, this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the beer with Sam and Peter game of the year, it will be Dark Souls 3. Yeah. One, um, one thing I would like to just quickly ask you guys is what's the game that you've played the most this year? Because it, for me, it's probably not something that came out. In 2016. Can we avoid Legion? Like, Alright, we'll avoid like WoW Legion avoiding. for because it's just going to inevitably be WoW. It's just the nature of WoW. Yeah. For me, oh, I yeah, mean, it's, it's, been, it's been WoW. WoW, since I started playing it, has been what I've been oh, yeah. playing the most. Overall, or probably overall is Destiny. 
Yeah. What about, let's say, ignoring MMOs, because they're kind of intended to chew time. Yeah. Let's say something that something that maybe only really had 20 hours in it, but you still gave it, like, a good 50, that kind of thing. Well, I don't want to be a broken record, but I did, I've got, like, hundred some over 150 hours in Dark Souls 3. Uh, Which you could it, finish for me, it, it, the, the probably game I would have played the most behind those MMOs is another <laughs> kind of MMO, The Division, which yeah. we haven't talked about. Which is a game I, I actually really enjoyed. I it has problems, but I enjoyed it. Guess that the if, if you exclude MMOs, you probably played Hearthstone the most, Peter. Yes, actually, yes, which had always releasing new content. Yeah. Always enjoy Hearthstone. It'll be one of those games that I just continue to play and sink money into. I think yeah, you can <laughs> talk about that for a whole podcast. I think. Yeah, yeah. Talk about yeah. It. And I'm really excited for the new expansion when that comes out. Yeah, there's some cool mechanics. Gadgets. Yeah, there's cool is. mechanics that they're adding, which are closer excited. and closer to magic. Yeah, we've got factions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, closer and closer to magic. Yeah. Um, I think well, what would it be for you, Sam? Apart from Dark Souls. Apart from Dark Souls? Yeah. And Destiny? Said, <laughs> and Destiny, yeah. Like, you What's said, like the fifth thing? Was, was, <laughs> I mean, but was, you, you mentioned like stuff that even came uh, out last year. Was there anything like that? Skyrim Special Edition. I mean, it's the third one, Peter. Okay. All right. Well, it's a moot <laughs> question one. then. Fourth one is... It's a moot question. We should wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you played the most, Connor? I, I think um, oh, yeah, something sorry. I haven't mentioned is uh, Total War Warhammer. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's a niche game. I think most fans of Total War won't be that impressed. But as someone who really likes Warhammer Fantasy, um, I keep coming back to it. I mean, it's only been out for like six months. But it has so much potential in it because the, the developers are going through and adding... They're going to probably add every faction to the game. So every few months they've added something more I can come back to it the modders keep up with it and I like strategy games so yeah that is a that's, really that's a that's, really cool game yeah that's sunk probably the most time out of that's anything good. but MMOs for me I um I couldn't live for myself I know we've we played this a, we, we, we've been speaking for a long time but I couldn't live for myself if I did bring up another game that I think tops the list of things that I want everyone who's listening to this to try. Um, and the reason that I wanted you to have be on this podcast with us, apart mm. from WoW, I think the game, also that, you're the, a good the game that I've enjoyed the most this year is Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, well, that, which isn't a video game, a video. but it is a game. And Connor is our DM. Yeah. Yes. Connor um, is our glorious yeah. dungeon master. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so screwed next session. D&D. <laughs> We're all, we really fucked up next session. <laughs> Sam rolled some nat, nat I rolled 20s some nat 20s, which apparently idea. ruined my... <laughs> May as well be nat ones. Um, it's something we're coming back and talking about, you know, talking yeah. about pen and paper role-playing games. Yes. And I would lo- we would love to have you back. And I'm sure it's something that people, like, we haven't ever really talked about on the podcast, and it's something that people would be interested to hear about. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's something that people don't consider doing, um, and they should. Yeah, there's a, there's somewhat of a stigma to it. Yeah, and I think yeah, both of you guys can attest to the fact that it's actually just a great time. It, like, it's an it's an amazing time. It's it's just a great thing for any any group of people to do. Um, you get so many things out of it. Like it's just it's improvisation, just fun um, and creative. Like speaking skills, uh, or just or in terms of like organizing. Just like a night where you can meet up with your friends and and cook for them and talk about what's happening in their lives. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you, if dear listener, if you are interested in, if you've ne- <laughs> like never really, never even heard anything really about pen and paper RPGs, 
a really good way to get into it is to listen to a podcast like The Adventure Zone, which I think we've mentioned yeah. at some or point. Watch, uh, watch something like Critical Role. Yeah. yeah. There are really good, really well done and quite um, uh, accessible and yeah. funny and easy to get into um, yeah. pen and paper RPG-esque things that you can listen to. If you're not you playing the game right now... Please just watch the th- watch the show because I think for a lot of people, like having conversations with them, mm. they have no idea what it actually involves. Um, yeah. And watching it is, is a good way of understanding what, what goes into it. Yeah. But um, we should we should have you back on and really talk about it because I'd yeah. like to. Yeah, I'd, I'd oh. love that as well. Depends. You, you know, we'll see how happy you are if we end up killing the whole party. You know. Yeah, we might be all dead. <laughs> we, we, we might just end our friendship after next week. Um, but yeah, as always, thanks, thanks for listening. Um, no homework movie this week. No homework movie this week because this is not a regularly scheduled episode of the podcast. Yeah. Next Play week Dark Souls instead. Play Dark Souls, yeah, Play Dark Souls instead. Um, uh, next, next week we're going to talk about uh, TV shows yeah. and have another special guest on and drink another interesting beer. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, that'll it'll be movies. You're going to get one of these every weekend in the month of December. Yep. So um, look out for that. Yeah. We have our mate Will on to talk about TV. So yeah. So fun. so follow us on the socials and stuff. Facebook.com slash B of Sam and Peter. AB Instagram. Something. I don't know. With, I don't with Instagram. Ever. Like our Facebook page. <laughs> listen to us at SoundCloud and iTunes and all those fun places. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we're done. <laughs>